Um, so I think we will uh, start uh, very, very well within the next minute or so, um, so that we can be uh, good on time. So, Sister Put Ben, please make sure that everybody is coming in and in, um, and then we will be good to go um, at uh, half past on the dot. That's fine. Okay. All right, Chris. Uh, I think it's recording in progress. I think we can be um, good to go, um, and then we so that we can make time. Let me take this opportunity to welcome you, my honourable colleagues, to our meeting this morning with the the Department of Public Works on areas around the. Um, property management trading entity. Um, <clears throat> we're going to have a hearing on the financial outcomes, uh, qualified audit opinion, um, again. <clears throat> um, and then we're going to, so we'll have the hearing. Honorable Hattab and Honorable Fanminen will be in your hands. The minister is got an apology for 12 o'clock, which uh, is another uh, work-related engagement. And Honorable Somi and I have got a half past 12 meeting of the uh, committee chairpersons as well. But I think we will be good on time. The meeting will continue should that time arrive. So there is no rush or no pressure in that regard. So I'd like to welcome the minister, the deputy minister, um, acting DG and the, the members. So let me hand over minister to you if there's any um, remarks you'd like to make. And then Honorable Hatebe, you will be first off the bat on your focus areas. And then Honorable Fanminen, you will come in after. So let's do it in that order. 
Uh, Honourable Minister, over to you. Good, good morning, Honourable Chair and Honourable Members. Um, and thank you for accepting my apology to leave at 12 o'clock. Uh, Honourable Members and Chair, we, I'm joined by the Acting Director General, uh, all the de uh, Deputy Director Generals um, in the Department, uh, the Head of the PMTE, and uh, without wasting any further time, I will ask the Acting Director General uh, or the head of the PMTE uh, just to, to take us through the presentation. Thank you for the opportunity. Honorable Hatebe, let us hand over to you. Um, we're in your hands. Um, Honourable Chairperson. Yebo. Yes, can you just give me uh, another two minutes to cycle um, in Parliament? Yes, you are heaving, huffing, yes. and puffing. <clears throat> yeah, no, I water. <clears throat> I see the minister's got water, so maybe she will share consistent with the 1955 uh, <laughs> uh, injunction the people shall share. Right. Yeah, just two minutes and then I'll be good to go. All right, let's, okay, do that. Let's catch your breath and then you'll be good to go. Thank you, Chairperson, uh, and good morning, colleagues. My apologies uh, for the late start. I just came out of another physical meeting here in Parliament, so I had to 
Um, settle down. We are good to go, Chair. Um, all protocol observed. We've uh, received the two presentations. Um, the one that deals with uh, fruitless and wasteful expenditure from the department. We've also received the presentation from the AG. What, what, what is concerning from what the AG has highlighted, Chair, is that the management is still unable to implement proper record keepings and control in a timely manner. I just would like to get an understanding why is this still the case and what are the measures that the department has put in place to improve the issue of record keeping. Chair, you would recall when the department appeared before us, I think we were told that uh, at some point they were using the cleaners uh, in fact, they were requested to process invoice and perform some record keeping. I would also like to get a sense if this is still the case, because judging from the audit outcome, um, the management has failed in this regard. That would be my first question, Chair. Um, the minister did not do the introduction, so I, I don't know who will be responsible for responding to the first question. No, the acting DG is present, she indicated. So I think we are, we are there. So acting DG, but Minister G, you will guide us, but acting DG is here. Uh, yes, I will I will just come in and then the acting DG can fill in the details, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, the committee is correct. Uh, this is a long historical problem. In fact, a lot of wasted money on different audit firms and companies uh, to solve the problem. It was not implemented. Uh, and then uh, last year, we decided that uh, the reason for the qualified audit uh, in PMTE and the findings every year is related to leases. Uh, and especially the month-to-month -month leases, which is classified as, as irregular expenditure. In March of 2021, I turned uh, to the, uh, the property market, the property industry, and I put an advertisement in uh, all the national Sunday newspapers calling for help, uh, calling on the industry to help us to stop the irregular expenditure. Um, because many of the leases, uh, and at that stage, they, we had about 540 month-to-month -month leases leading to, to uh, audit findings. Uh, we had some responses from the property industry because I even took it a step further to say to them that many of the problems that some of them experienced, honorable members, was that they had to pay for the renewal of a lease. I went as far as to say, I won't charge you, just come forward, we will renew your lease so that we can stop the month-to-month irregular expenditure. Uh, we were not altogether successful with that, uh, Chairperson. And then uh, in October last year, uh, I issued a ministerial directive that as from the 31st of um, December 2021, we will no longer pay any month-to-month -month leases. Uh, and then we sort of force uh, the, the, the landlords to come to the table. And that has been a long exercise that we are still busy with. But part of the other problem, too, was that there was no accounting mechanism in place in the various regional offices. Uh, 
and we were struggling to get some leases from the um, from the regional offices. Uh, we have now subsequently addressed that, and we will explain in the presentation how we have addressed that. But uh, I can confirm what Honorable Khadebe is saying uh, on, on, on lack of um, accountability. And um, the, uh, we, we have also, through the office of the acting DG, uh, engaged with uh, organizations like uh, the head of PMTE, organizations like SAPOA, the South African Property Association. Uh, 95% of property owners belong to that organization, and they also have a code of ethics. So SAPOA has also been assisting us. But overall, the PMTE over the years, Honorable Chairperson, has developed into just a banking account. And for that matter, a banking account in overdraft that also led to at least 4.5 billion rand of the leases that are in dispute at the moment. So I just want to confirm uh, what Honorable Khadebe is saying. It is the implementation of systems uh, because the RTBAS system is there, but was never implemented because it's quite easier to steal a file with leases in than to take something off when it's digitized. Uh, but, it, but that is subsequently being corrected now, but I'm sure the acting DG will uh, give further information on that. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Okay. No, thanks, Honorable uh, Minister. You, you manage the largest retail uh, estate portfolio in the country, and it is it's quite worrisome if uh, I'm hearing correctly that you don't have the requisite skills to do uh, this. I'm raising this because uh, part of your core business is the real estate management services, facility management. Are you saying to us uh, the current staff complement is not um, equal to the task, given the fact that I've just highlighted now that you are managing the largest retail estate portfolio in the country. Um, and please um, also uh, respond to our previous concern of using cleaners to process your invoice uh, and perform some record keeping. The, the other part also that we have touched on, um, which also was the qualification, your financial uh, statement contains some material misstatement because of supporting document were not fully properly recorded. Uh, especially your archivers, uh, there are substantial differences from what is actually uh, on the list document and what is captured on the system. Why is it difficult to capture correctly what is available at your disposal? Thank you. If you can just respond to those a few questions for now. I, thank you, Honorable Khadebe. I'll, I'll make a general comment. The, the, main, the main problem uh, in my oversight role and together with the DM that we've detected is that this de department is resisting uh, IT, any information technology systems. They want to continue to, to work manually. But now we, we are implementing RTBUS. RTBUS was a system acquired by the department in 2012. Come 2021, they've only implemented eight models of that system, but they only activated two. So, so that's the resistance to uh, um, 
IT and using IT in, in the department. We are going to deal in the presentation, Honorable Chair, uh, with the, we've got a lot of overpayments and then we also have underpayments. And uh, we have now got to the bottom of it. What is causing the overpayment? Who is pressing that button to overpay on a monthly basis? Uh, that will be dealt with in the presentation and also uh, uh, the underspend. We also had to face numerous core challenges around the leases. But because the leases are the main result of giving us a qualified audit, we have now put all energy into this process on the chair. Meeting on a weekly basis, we got an outside service provider that worked through thousands of leases for us. Some of the leases are still missing. We are still tracing them. I think we were able to trace about 98%. But um, I think uh, the, the acting DG or the CFO can uh, just uh, take over and explain uh, the overpayment and the, and the underpayment. But it is also part of the presentation. So, so Honorable you. Minister, you're saying 10 years later, there is no, from 2012 to date, you're still unable, the uh, entity is unable to implement fully the archivist 10 years later. And your audit has been stagnant for the past four years. Yes. What is it that you're going to do differently now? Because we, we, we want a movement. We're here to um, ascertain whether or not there is a willingness to change the status quo. Four years stagnant audit outcome, qualified with um, material findings on compliance. Exactly. Yeah, you've got material findings on compliance. There is yes. a deliberate attempt not to comply. Now, we want to get a sense, have you put measures in place to do things differently? Yes, Honorable Khadebe, we have developed a roadmap to an unqualified audit last year. Uh, we have shared the roadmap, uh, we've developed it together with the external audit committee. We have shared the roadmap with the Auditor General that's also monitoring this very closely. Uh, and I've got a scheduled meeting with her on the 4th uh, to show how, how we have implemented this roadmap that can lead us to uh, an unqualified um, audit. And, 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 and also in terms of the delegations for the people who are pressing the button um, uh, and, and that's doing the con uh, constant over, over expenditure. Uh, again, there I've discussed with the acting DG that the way we're going to stop this is to remove the delegations from those people who must pay. So the acting DG is also looking into that. Uh, but maybe I'm jumping the gun a bit because in the in the presentation um, we have got all the solutions. I can I can assure the honourable members that the deputy minister and myself are on this leases on a weekly basis. And it's a real discovery in terms of also the, the role and responsibilities of the property management trading and entity. We discovered uh, how it was established. 
and that up till today, this property management agency is still not fully compliant with the prescripts of National Treasury. National Treasury put six conditions for the PMTE in 2012 to exist as a property management trading entity. Out of the six conditions that National Treasury put, only two conditions were complied with. So we are also now working to make sure that the other four conditions from 2012 is implemented and complied with so that you can say that this property management trading entity is a fully functional uh, entity. Also, what makes matters worse, honorable members, is that 76% of our budget in DPWI is spent by uh, a PMTE. So we, we are really, really working very hard to change this around And uh, the CFO and the finance team, the office of the AG, uh, I'll I'll be giving the AG a report on the 4th of March uh, just to show what we have done in the past year, 18 months, uh, to stop the rot in the PMTE. But it is just clear corruption. Uh, A lot of the leases over the years has been handed over to the SIU um, the SAU had a proclamation since 2010, 2012 already, and uh, we are still referring some of these leases uh, to the SIU to help us to recover some of the monies for, for the department. And then uh, just to look at a more long-term solution uh, to inform honorable members that um, the AG has also tackled us because we spent too much money on uh, letting in. We spent 5 billion rand a year to letting in from private sector landlords. And while from our own properties, we only let, we're only collecting about 60 to 80 million rand a year. Uh, we have discussed with the, the Portfolio Committee on Public Works and Infrastructure the new strategy that we are implementing in the first quarter of this, of the new financial year. And what, and and it's a strategy that we call refurbish, operate and transfer, whereby we're going out with a proof of concept and a pilot first on five buildings within Pretoria, where we're going to partner with the private sector to refurbish and repurpose the buildings for us so that we can move government departments in those buildings at far less uh, 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 square meterage cost, uh, but also as part of the contract uh, and, and the lease agreement, because we will lease the property to the private sector for a period of between 15 to 20 years, then what we will do then is that we will put into the lease agreement that the uh, the landlord will be responsible for maintenance, will be responsible for uh, also for uh, uh, repairs. So 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 that is what we are doing now to reduce the number of uh, uh, letting in offices that we are letting in from the private sector by trying to use our own buildings and become more cost effective. But uh, I will hand over to the DG or the CFO if, there any, if there's anything they want to add 
to the first two questions that you've raised, uh, Honorable Khadebe and Honorable Chair. Thank you very much. No problem. Um, can we hear from the acting DG? Yes, uh, thank you very much and, and good morning, uh, Honorable Member and Honorable Chairperson. Um, Chair, through you, I, I missed a little bit of the, um, the conversation in the beginning. Uh, I caught the minister in the middle, so I'll try and establish what the conversation is about. And please, uh, please do re re redirect me if I'm off track. But I'd like to, to deal with the first issue uh, that talks to the audit outcome and uh, the concerns of the Honourable Member Hadebe with respect to the, 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 the uh, stabilisation programme and where we are heading with the audit outcome. I'd like to go back, uh, Honourable Chair, through you. Going um, back acting TG. Uh, Honourable Member? Yes, the issue is your failure to uh, implement proper record keepings, whether or not you're still relying on cleaners to, to do uh, as such. The second aspect is your failure to capture correctly um, your, your list documents uh, from your Archibus uh, system. It has been there for 10 years. It has not been implemented uh, fully. So the, the, those are the two. And your material misstatement in your financial statement. You're relying so much on the audit process for you to rectify your material misstatement. And some remain unresolved. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Honourable Member. Thank you very much. That, that, that helps me. The first question I will leave to the CFO to attend to with respect to the capacities using to make the payments. I will focus on uh, the Archibald system uh, and then move over to the uh, material misstatements in the AFS. Uh, first of all, uh, Honourable Member, with respect to Archibald, I must acknowledge the department has gone through a number of different evolutions over the years. In fact, prior to Archibus, there was an attempt to develop a system internally that um, was called IE Works. And IE Works was an internally developed system which, uh, over a period of time, sought to create uh, the department's own ERP system using in house developers with external support. And that system was scanned around 2014 in favor of an external procurement. And that is where Archibus and Sage came into the picture. And I do acknowledge the uh, failure of the department to uh, implement the ARP system with any level of, uh, of, of capability. In fact, I'd like to, to, to offer my view and my belief that the slowness in, in implementing the Archibald system is the result of a lack of capability in the department mm -hmm. to manage the change from a manual system into a, an IT system. That, that, that largely has been, in my view, the root cause of the failure is the failure to migrate the thinking out of a manual type of uh, uh, approach to property management into a modern type of thinking. It talks to the skills and the capacity in the organization and a failure for us to migrate from the one to the other. And our DDG Clive and Chisa, it will also add to that particular point. But I believe that I don't believe on the one hand there's a resistance as such uh, in the department. I think it's a capacity to change and to evolve from a manual way of thinking into uh, 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 a new way of, 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 of embracing property management. I think that's largely the problem. We've also had in the last 18 months, the minister... Sorry, sorry to interject so that I don't lose you. So you are not 
supporting the statement by the minister that there's been resistance? Uh, no, no, church, uh, to you, chairperson, I haven't witnessed physical resistance from anybody. What I've witnessed is but more of a helpless. I'm sorry to interrupt, but why would the minister arrive at that conclusion if you, as an supposed an accounting um, officer, you, you have not seen, and then an executive authority has picked up such, um, it can't just be a statement drawn out of air? Yes, uh, uh, the honorable member, I think the minister will share the reasons why. She believes that we've had uh, uh, she's experienced resistance, but I, I haven't I, seen the I'm, resistance. I'm, I'm trying to establish whether there's a synergy. So yes. if we're getting two different uh, uh, analyses, uh, then the left hand does not know what the right hand is doing. Yes, I, I, I hear you, uh, honorable member. Yeah, and I'm I'd also, also... We're expecting that coming to us, you have uh, prepared for, for this and you are all in sync in terms of the challenges. Yes, the I, I do hear you. Of, the first yes. step of healing is to acknowledge that we have a problem and identify the problem, put correct measures in place to solve that problem. So if you diagnose uh, uh, the wrong problem, you arrive at the wrong solutions. I'm concerned. Yes, uh, uh, I, I, I hear you, Honorable Member. If I could just uh, finish my part here, Honorable Member, then we all can right. deal with the inconsistency. Uh, so what I'm saying is from my side, uh, honorable member, the problem really is, is, is a failure to migrate uh, from a manual way of thinking to a modern way uh, of embracing ICT in property and construction management. That has been a large part, I believe, of the, the limitations in the department. And, uh, and what, what I've done is to introduce a change management program and the change management program has been led by the deputy minister. And this program in part is, is seeking to respond to, to those challenges, is to change the organizational culture. Because the organizational culture has been poor, the responsiveness to embrace technology and to embrace change has been poor. And that in large part is, is due to our manual systems, is our failure to, to take the staff along and to put together uh, a, a proper response to our manual archaic systems we have in the department. We've also had during the last year, I think year and a half, the minister has sought to introduce a business case for the ICT. And the ICT program has essentially been in abeyance for the last 18 months. We haven't had any movement there. The minister has engaged the uh, National Treasury directly together with the staff in our ICT unit. Uh, and, and, and as a consequence, the management has you know, being in some parts a bystander in this process. And uh, in 18 months, during my time acting, there's been no real implementation taking place. That The discussion has largely been around the, uh, the continued viability of Sage Akibas. In fact, in fact, there's been some sort of, um, you know, a, a view in the department that Sage Akibas was no longer the chosen system, that there appeared to be a ministerial director that Sage Akibas must, in fact, be discontinued. So all of these has also led to uncertainty at the policy level about what systems we are implementing. So during my 18 months meeting, I have not seen any movement with respect to implementation. My apology. Uh, the, the ministerial directive, uh, which minister was that? Is it the current incumbent? Uh, yes, the minister below, yes. Minister below is oh, uh, often pronounced that Sage Akibas is dead. So that has created confusion and uncertainty in the department. And the minister, in fact, is engaging the, uh, the director 
of the ICT directly in engagements with Treasury outside the management. And we've in fact communicated these concerns to the minister to uh, create some certainty to the department because that lack of answer, lack of certainty, the directives that appeared you know, to, to be out of sync with what the thinking was at the management level uh, was causing a delay in implementation. And as a result, we were continuing to perpetuate the manual systems. But the DDG and CHISA is with us to continue this conversation and to give more detail. But uh, uh, Mr. Adebe, I'd like to also make a comment about uh, the concerns with the audit outcome. And um, I, I just ask for your patience for a moment to, to reflect that since 2012, the department has had a disclaimer of opinion um, with respect so to- acting, acting TG, um, you, I'm sure you came in late. There has been apologies. Some of the, 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 the colleagues will be leaving around 12. So uh, yeah. we're not trying to push you in terms of your presentation. So just even the minister herself, she also afforded an apology. So yes. you would, yeah, uh, really bear with us. I, I will respect I the time, honorable yeah. member. I will finish in one minute with this, and then Mr. Chisai, he will add with the ICT system. Okay. And we'll That's conclude. Not... Yeah, Chair, what I want to say is I just want to go back, Chair, to 2013 uh, in, uh, when we had a disclaimer of opinion, and we had five different areas that led to the disclaimer, the irregular expenditure, the frivolous expenditure, our leases, and the revenue and expenditure management. And in the last year, uh, 20, uh, 2021, we've, we've, we've migrated out of uh, that uh, disclaimer into a qualified audit. In fact, our largest financial statement item is our immovable assets. The immovable assets is worth more than 100 billion rand. And it was the root cause of our audit qualification and the disclaimer uh, over the years. And we achieved an unqualified audit with the immovable assets, which is our last, uh, largest item. And in fact, we only remain with the lease asset and the lease accruals, which uh, you touched on, honorable member, that is the last challenge we have. And at present, we have uh, a project uh, being administered with external support to verify payments going back 10 years in our leasing environment so that we can correct and cure uh, the lease audit qualification in the manner the minister has mentioned a few minutes ago, where we're seeking to to, to, to migrate to an unqualified audit for March 2022 and ensure that we don't have lease misstatements in our financial statements. So honorable member to, 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 to succinctly uh, uh, point to make my point that we've moved from a disclaimer to, an, uh, to a qualified audit in our last financial year with one uh, qualification item. So we've really made tremendous progress over the last uh, six or seven years to clean up our act uh, in particular, the PMTE, which has the huge budget and where the huge challenges reside, to have only one financial statement qualification, which is in the leasing environment. And we currently have the program in place and the, and the audit action plan to cure that. But share with the minutes we have, I, I want to deal with two critical matters. The one is your concern around the use of cleaners in making payments. But uh, more importantly, first, Pastin Chisa, to reflect on where this ICT program is and what the kind of delays are that we've experienced in the last 18 months and what the prospects are for implementation over the next year. Mr. Mchisa, if you could please come in. Honorable Chair, uh, and honorable members, Minister, Deputy Minister and the colleagues, 
I, I think it would be very difficult for me to make any further addition from the inputs already so made by the acting DG and, and the minister. But the one point I want to underscore is that one of the frustration that may have maybe prompted minister to take the drastic action of intervention was exactly what she perceived as, as lack of progress from our side as, as administration and management when she arrived to have been able to make the necessary progress around the implementation of the RP system. And to that extent, she then sought, I think, the intervention of, of, of the National Treasury to see if the National Treasury cannot in a way begin to support the department and be able to then accelerate the implementation of, of the system. But secondly, where management had provided the necessary leadership, passion, and drive, those were resulted in the completed modules. And they were only completed exactly because of the passion and leadership shown by that particular manager. And, and those with the modules that we have completed and where there has not been any major progress, that same passion and, and, and appetite was not displayed. And as a result, then we did not make progress in those particular areas. Where are we at now? We have then gone back to the drawing board to see how best to accelerate the implementation. And one of the first things that I think Minister then insisted in, his, in collaboration with the National Treasury was to insist that we have proper term of reference because she felt that maybe that's one area where there was a strong weakness and a need for us to revisit our terms of reference. That work was done with a complete and comprehensive uh, business case document that will then begin to improve implementation going forward. So we are at that point now, as we speak now, we are at the stage where the procurement processes will be able to deliver a, a, a new intervention that will then assist us by the end of this financial year to at least finish the system by 90%, uh, if not 100%. Thank you, thank you, thank you, honorable chair. It seems as if you are avoiding the question of cleaners. The, the, are you still relying on cleaners to process invoice and perform record keeping? Manza, you you okay, thank you. Slide that's not for you, Manza. Uh, thank you, uh, and uh, good morning, members. Um, just to touch base on the issue of I don't think we have slightly... Ma Manza, we're struggling to hear you. Please come close to your mic. Uh, can you hear me now? Much better. Okay. Uh, it's about that. Uh, I think the issue of cleaners processing payments. Can you just give us your designation? Um, because oh. I think that, that yes. Okay. I'm Manda Stolle, I'm the CFO. Um, the issue of cleaners uh, processing, uh, I think maybe it was misunderstood when we last discussed the matter. The cleaners were more assisting in terms of uh, following up with managers in terms of 
no, no, no. Chair, I, I can't I can't hear the CFO. Device. We can't hear you. I can't hear the CFO, Chair. Is it better now, Chairperson? Please stay stay on like that. Continue. Okay. Um the, the, the issue of cleaners, uh, Chairperson, cleaners are not processing payments and they have never processed payments. Uh, but what I want to touch on, uh, Chair and, and Member, uh, our our payment now has really improved through the intervention no, 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 of the no, Minister. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. You can't just, sorry, Honorable Hadeb, you can't just rule out such ease on that matter when it was a matter which was extensively discussed at the last meeting. And then in one line you say they've never done it. When it was something that emerged uh, out of yourselves, not us, when we had that hearing. So I think you have to provide a far more substantive uh, response to that issue as opposed to that very dismissive one-liner. Because the, the, the issue of cleaners came up from yourselves as the, as the department. It was your issue. Uh, thank you, Chair. I, I think, Chair, the issue of cleaners when it came uh, it was more of cleaners that were qualified uh, in terms of their qualification, which normally you would have people that uh, are in the department uh, where they have the, the requisite skills like your BCOM, your cost and management, which I think uh, Advocate Vukela uh, explained in that time when we had a meeting. But uh, the main point that I thought the, the committee was also uh, wanted to hear was to say, do we have cleaners that are processing payments? The answer is no, we don't have cleaners that are processing payments. People who are processing payments are people that are qualified and appointed to process payments. So what's and the just, role of cleaners who are qualified? Well, why would you make that reference? What's their role? Let's not pretend as though we didn't have this meeting. Yes, CFO, you had qualified people not employed for other thing else except cleaning. We even complain that it's an abuse of those cleaners based on the fact that you know their qualification. Yes, they were qualified, but they were not employed uh, uh, for, for the function that you had assigned to them. So the question is, are you still using those people to do something that is out of their scope of work. They were employed as cleaners. Qualified or not, you, you've you used them to do something other than what you employed them for. Uh, just to respond directly to your question, we are not using uh, cleaners. Uh, we are now have full-time people that are processing payments. Thank you, CFO. Um, Let's just move to, for the for the sake of time, Chair. You you in your response you spoke about uh, uh, roadmap to clean audit. I'd like to get a, a, a sense when was that implemented. Uh, you you spoke about uh, action plans. Uh, what's concerning in that aspect is, is that the AG has noted. The, the ineffectiveness of implementing all your action plans in terms of your audit action plan. Why is that the case? 
have you assigned specific officials to deal with specific items in terms of your audit action plan? And how do you monitor, review, and evaluate the work done in relation to the audit action plan if the audit is raising serious concern in your inability to implement your action plans? I will come uh, uh, later on on, on, on on this disjuncture between what the executive authority is saying and the accounting officer in terms of resistance and the directives that are now used, ministerial directives that are now used as an excuse because the issue of qualification uh, of uh, signed uh, illnesses that were not loaded on the system, it appears now the 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 disjuncture is in relation to that ministerial uh, directive. I'll come back to that later. But please respond to your inability to uh, uh, implement your audit action plans. Um, thank you, Chair. Uh, in terms of the audit action plan, uh, we have developed the audit action plan and uh, it has been subjected uh, for review by our internal audit, and uh, also we present to audit committee. Uh, the, the, it is assigned to each DDG. Uh, for instance, uh, leases, uh, it's assigned to DDG RAMs, and uh, there are monitoring tools. We have a weekly audit steering committee where we assess progress, and uh, there are also weekly meetings um, with the uh, minister, uh, DM, and acting DG, where such progress is uh, tracked. There are also operational ESCO every Monday to track the progress uh, on audit action plans. So if one were to make an assessment uh, how far we are, I will say uh, we are making progress. Yes, yes, it is correct that uh, what AG said um, in terms of dealing with all the audit action plans. We may not have achieved in all areas, but as the acting DG has outlined, there were significant areas where we have achieved like the, the asset register because it was as a result of us monitoring that audit action plan, which resulted to uh, asset register not being qualified. So as the acting DG has outlined, the main area that is remaining is uh, lease agreements. Um, Thank you. Okay, Let, let's quickly move to your uh, expenditure management in terms of your irregular expenditure. Um, the, there's qualification in relation to irregular appointment of certain officials, but you were not clear in terms of how many officials were appointed irregular and what has been done thus far. Are those officials still part of your uh, staff establishment. Can you respond on that? Um, I, I think it's on your presentation uh, uh, between slide seven and eight, um, which is one of your qualification area. Let's start with the irregular appointment of officials. Um, how many officials were appointed irregular? What position are they occupying? And who with the responsible officials for such appointments. Yes, uh, um, Honorable Chairperson, I'll take uh, Honorable Adebe's question there on the irregular appointments. Um, through you, Honorable Chairperson, 
There are 12 uh, appointments in all, uh, and they are all SMS members. This is pursuant to an investigation conducted by the Public Service Commission. I so believe what, what, what is SMS? Senior Management Service. So oh, okay. it, it would be, be, some apologies, director and chief director level positions. And there are 12 in all. And these are pursuant to an investigation conducted by the Public Service Commission, uh, in which investigation was concluded in early 2019 and pointed out that these appointments were irregular, uh, given that the uh, individuals concerned did not meet the requirements for the job uh, uh, from a qualifications point of view, as well as an experience point of view. Uh, and therefore, the appointments were irregular. Um, and then, Chairperson, through you, we approached the Labor Court to reverse the, these appointments. And uh, the Labor Court has been uh, seized with the, this matter on the road for several years since uh, late 2019. And we've been informed that the matter will appear uh, on the uh, roll in May of this year. So we finally have a court date to hear uh, this particular application where the department is seeking to reverse all the appointments so made irregularly. We've also initiated a disciplinary process within the department against uh, uh, the individuals concerned who essentially are members of the panels who made these appointments and they are subjected to disciplinary hearings which are at various stages of conclusion. Two of the members at least, uh, I believe there are 17 in all chairperson, but it's just an approximate number, 17 panel members were so charged and uh, two of them are no longer with the department, and the process is continuing with the other 15, and they are all still in progress. These are also administered on behalf of the department by the Office of the State Attorney, and we have our Head of Legal Services with us. If there are any further questions or details required, he may provide those details and also give an update on the progress of uh, those hearings. So, Chairperson, uh, I hope that answers the question. So you're saying the disciplinary process are still ongoing. Um, I didn't hear the, the last part. Yes, uh, that is correct, uh, Honourable Member. The disciplinary hearings are still ongoing. Um, they are administered by the Office of the State Attorney on behalf of the department to create an independent process, given that we are dealing mainly with uh, DDGs, chief directors and directors who are being disciplined. So we've removed the process uh, to uh, an external independent uh, uh, process under the auspices of the state attorney. That is correct. Since 2019 to date, why is it taking so long? I'm not saying we need to rush the process, but just uh, um, make us understand why is the process taking uh, this long? Yes, uh, uh, Chair Chairperson, I'd like to uh, ask for assistance from our head of legal services is with me. I do know that the investigation was uh, concluded in 2019, and um, there were a number of administrative processes that we had to engage before the state attorney was finally appointed. But I'd like Mr. Kusmahoba to give us details, uh, of which I only have a high-level understanding at this point. Mr. Mahoba, can you please come in with the permission of the chairperson? Chair, chair, 
Mom Dollars, good morning, Chair. With your with your permission, Chair, can I just ask a question? Maybe Mr. Mahobem I'd be able to respond even in this question, please, Chair. Thank you. Please, please proceed. You're using my airtime. Proceed, Mama. My apologies, Honorable Hadeb. Uh, just want to ask one question. I hear that some uh, people left the, the department. But I don't hear what is then happening because from where I'm seated, fruitless and wasteful expenditure did happen in the process of them having appointed wrong people. I understand they might have left the department, but isn't there any other follow-up to, 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 to recoup the money that was wasted of the department? If no, why? If yes, where is that process? Thank you. Let's get the okay, club that response with the um, input that was about to be made. Thanks, Mam Tulash. Yes, Chairperson, thank you very much. Uh, Chairperson, the recovery and the termination of continued losses would then be subject to the court hearing. And the application to the Labor Court is intended for that particular purpose. It's to enable us to reverse uh, the appointments so that uh, we can uh, can set aside those appointments given the illegality and the unprocedural manner in which those appointments were made so we can terminate the payments uh, made and those salaries. But we are only able to do so with the uh, ruling of the Labor Court. And uh, hopefully that uh, process will begin to unfold in May of this year. So that's to answer that particular question, Chair. I don't see Chris Mahoba in the meeting, Mr. Nchisa, if you can confirm his presence or absence, but then I will continue to answer. He's around. He's around. Yes, please, uh, Mr. Mahoba, please come through and explain the delays uh, and the reasons for, you know, the unfolding process. Thank you. Thank you, Ekim DG. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. The... With regard to the delays experienced in the PSC disciplinary hearings, the, remember there was a challenge uh, with regard to the implementation of the report. Initially, the challenge was raised by the then uh, DG, the suspended DG, uh, to say that insofar as he was concerned, he was supposed to, uh, to be the one that gives effect to the report. And uh, it raised quite a number of issues uh, that had to delay the matter. We have had to seek an opinion uh, from state attorney to say between the DG and uh, the minister who has got the authority to discipline. And until that issue was settled, then the hearing were delayed. And further to that, there were quite a number of points in limines which were raised by the employee party. Amongst others, they were challenging the authority of the current acting DG to preside uh, over their disciplinary matters in terms of giving effect. Now, there were a number of arguments raised to and from until the chairperson made a ruling that uh, the minister was correct to to allow the current acting DG to preside in view of the fact that the director general was conflicted because he has approved some of those appointments. 
and therefore he would not be able to act objectively. So those as well contributed to the delays uh, that we have experienced. Uh, recently as well, there were quite a number of uh, delays experienced because we had the employees represented by PSC, some by PSA, some were represented by Nahau. Some could not come to the hearing due to uh, alleged comorbidities. Then we decided to separate them and appoint a new chairperson. So that ruling was done. So now the chairperson are going to set them down. We had to separate them to say those with comorbidities will appoint a separate chairperson for them. They will attend virtually. Now we are waiting for to enroll it fully, and then the hearings will continue. Thank you. On the on the issue of the labor court uh, appointments and the expenditure involved. Yes, they, they, once the, the Labor Court pronounced in terms of reviewing and setting aside the appointments, the expenditure chair would be categorized as irregular uh, rather than fruitless. Remember, as the state, the employees are working, they are rendering services, uh, so far and we need to remunerate. It would be classified as irregular. And once the Labor Court gives us that judgment, we would then be able to to implement and, and uh, determinations in the system. But the expenditure would be irregular because services were, were rendered. Thank you. Uh, on your, thank you. Thank you. On, on your presentation on, on slide six, there are a lot of um, areas where you've, in, in terms of uh, project to assess irregular fruitless and wasteful expenditure where you have indicated that uh, the status is completed to be referred to labor relations for disciplinary uh, action uh, by the end of February. Why is it that only end of February we are going to refer these cases for disciplinary hearing? And when was the, the, the assessment completed? Uh, mind you, some of these issues are issues that date back to, previous, to prior financial years. There seem to be a, a very laser affair or unwillingness to move with speed in dealing with these issues. Uh, in most of the instances within your presentation, um, if not all, uh, these cases are being referred to end of February. Can you just explain to us when were these issues complete, completed? Why is it only end of uh, February that you'll start with your disciplinary processes? Quickly, so that we can move to other yes, questions. If I can ask uh, Lesetia Tuna to come in. Lesetia is our chief director, internal control. We've projected, we've projectized this uh, matter into his unit. Lesetia, please come in. Uh, I think uh, Lesetia has just stepped out, but let me answer the question, or he has just come in, but he didn't hear the question. Uh, but I'll just answer the question. Um, I think the, the reason why such matters will be referred to labor relations by end of this month, we appointed independent service providers um, to, to investigate uh, those irregular expenditure because uh, some of the transactions, they are old, as the member has put it correctly. Um, 
So about, I think, about five regions, uh, those reports have been completed. So all what we need to do now is to refer the matter to, to labor relations for further actions. So the reason for the delay, basically, we did not have uh, have staff. We had to get service providers that will act independently uh, to deal with the issues. But that process has been concluded now. Um, we are able to... When was it concluded? When was it concluded? Uh, there are different stages, Chair. I mean, honorable uh, 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 member, uh, some they were concluded in January, uh, some uh, mid feb No, but now I'm, I'm being specific. Uh, the region of Cape Town, Kimberley, Pulukwane, uh, all, all of these are completed. Um, you, you don't have at your disposal the actual dates of these cases. Uh, maybe let's say I can come in with the specific dates. Because now you are thumb sucking that some January, mid Feb. I, I, I need to, uh, if not, you will uh, assist us later to give us the actual dates. We want to uh, monitor in terms of your effectiveness in dealing with these cases. They date back to prior years and nothing has been done, but it's fine. I, um, I would propose that let's get a, a, a return response in, in, in that regard. There are also issues. Honorable Hart, just one second. I'm sorry. Yes. Um, acting DG, your team's response is becoming very clumsy. It's all over the show and it's becoming fast, incoherent and unorganized. I'm just like, it's all over the show. Some are not in, some are in. I have to refer, no, no, no. I think there has to be a semblance of structure to this thing because we're first now becoming unable to make head or tail of the, of the responses. It's just, it's, 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 it's not looking professional actually. So can we just clean this up? Honestly, yeah, correct, Chair. And the fact that we are pressed of time, it makes us not to probe further some of yeah. these uh, clumsy responses. One tend to move, uh, th uh, they might think we are satisfied with the answer, but because of time, there are a lot of issues that one wants to cover, but we are really, really not impressed with the responses. I concur with you, Chair. Yeah. yeah, so Minister, I think Minister's raising her hand. Yeah. yeah but Yes, a chair. May I come in, in and assist? You know, sometimes if you try and defend the indefensible, uh, it's, it results in vagueness and this. I think one of the things that we struggle with in this department is to acknowledge the weaknesses. Now, we're currently talking about the weaknesses in HR. There are serious weaknesses. But then we also have to inform the committee what we have done to deal with those weaknesses. The weaknesses in HR is not only just the amount of time and the length of time that they take to appoint and fill a funded post, but it's also there are a number of cases stuck in the Labor Relations Department. This is what the Deputy Minister and myself have done to address this we have now turned to the help of the Public Service Administration Department, Minister Ayanda Glodlo. And we have said to her that we need her help. 
And last week, uh, Thursday, last week, Wednesday, she had agreed that in this week, they're sending in a team from GPSA to do an assessment on all the HR uh, appointments and outstanding vacancies. Because even at senior management level, when I take a cabinet memorandum, it's always turned back. So the professional team from GBSA is dealing with that matter. Another professional team is dealing with an assessment of all the cases that stuck for years in the labor relations department. And that is the intervention that we have made as the executive authority, because uh, your findings and, and your references is, is definitely correct. Um, while I have the floor, Honorable Chairperson, I also just want to respond to the point made by the DG. I am quoting from the report of the Auditor General. The Auditor General said that the Archibus system was developed to address key controls to prevent overpayment of leases amongst its functionalities and controls built in. The implementation of Archibus has some challenges like any other system in terms of resistance of staff from staff and other managers, a process that require change management holistically. So that is where I am coaching the resistance from. Also, just to help the department with the, uh, uh, the 12 cases that are before the labor court. Last year, September, I decided to make an intervention by calling the judge president Wakeley of the labor court to find out three years later, two years later, we still do not have a date. The judge president discovered that the files were stolen and we had to start afresh but the judge president gave us a date for May 2022 for those cases finally to, to be heard. So I think where as a department, we must acknowledge the weaknesses because I always, uh, and the DM, we, we rely a lot on the input from portfolio committees and especially scope. So that, so that in a way, sometimes I overuse scope uh, make a reference to SCOPA because I said, this is what SCOPA want us to do. And I do think that we can go quicker if, if the department is just uh, where, where we are at fault to, to acknowledge those faults, but explain to the committee what action we have taken, like the change management system that's driven by uh, the deputy minister. Even with the change management system, there's also resistance. The, the deputy minister is on their case almost on a daily basis because there's resistance to change in the department. So I, I really think that the department must now just be honest, brutally honest with ourselves, because as the executive authority, we are here to learn and we are here to be guided by the oversight of parliament to correct service delivery within government. I thank you. No, thanks, Minister. It's clear that you, you have a department that is suffering from a headache, but they insist that, you know, they are suffering from flu and refuse to take uh, the tablets, uh, medication for, for flu, because from what they 
think it's the problem. It's not what we see and what is contained in the Auditor's General Report. And that's concerning, um, uh, it's quite concerning, Chair. It's something that we need to, to, to take into consideration seriously in terms of the disjuncture between the executive authority and the accounting officer. But I've got a lot of issues. Let me, Chair, proceed in terms of the, the, the irregular expenditure. There are issues with bidders not awarded a correct functional points. There's also uh, incorrect procurement processes followed. Um, can I just get a sense, are these bidders who, there were bidders who misrepresented uh, their bids, are those uh, contractors still part of the system? What has been done in relation to those uh, bidders who have misrepresented their bids to the bid committee? Can I just get a response into those two uh, uh, questions? Um, I'm tempted to also ask uh, uh, some of these questions because of time, Chair. You would guide me. There are yeah, issues pertaining to fruitless and wasteful expenditure, which date back to prior years, Chair, you would all know the amount, it's it's billions. Um, I mean, it's quite an exorbitant amount of uh, fruitless and wasteful expenditure, um, which is, uh, it's about 285 million, if I'm not correct, if I'm correct, but the AG is raising a concern uh, that, there has not been any movement in making sure that the money that was used uh, as a fruitless and wasteful expenditure will recover that money. Uh, and if you look into slide nine, it says all matters have been assessed. Uh, now, if matters have been assessed, why money has not been recovered? This is the matter that was uh, uh, considered in prior years, and it has been assessed, but nothing has been done to recover the money. Thank you, Chair. Let's say, Chair, can you come in there? All right. Uh, thank you very much, DG, and um, good morning, Honorable Chairperson of Protocol Observed. Um, the the question with respect to incorrect procurement process, um, the, 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 they relate to those findings that were raised during the audit for which we did not, we could not finalize them with the AG by the time that the audit was, uh, was, uh, was concluded. So we would then put them, uh, what Treasury did was to put a a sub-disclosure note, though the amount does not affect the amount that we eventually disclosed in the in the irregular expenditure, to put a sub-note of transactions that still needs to be assessed because the revised process in terms of irregular expenditure chairperson is that uh, a transaction will then be identified either by management or by the AG. Management would then need to confirm that it does meet the definition of irregular expenditure once they have assessed that, that it does meet the definition of irregular expenditure, the next stage is what we call determination. Determination is to confirm that there are no instances of financial loss uh, with respect to that particular transaction. 
because if it's just the issue of non-compliance, it will then be the sources irregular expenditure. If there have been financial losses, there is also a, dif a, a different process to that, but it will still be recognized as irregular expenditure with respect to that. Uh, the one relating to incorrect procurement process, it is also part of the assessment. There are those that management has already assessed and confirmed that indeed they meet the definition of irregular expenditure. And, they, and the, that is in the current financial year chairperson. And then there are those that have been assessed by management and found not to meet the definition of irregular expenditure. And those are the ones that will then be discussed and given to the AG during the interim audit, uh, because we could not finalize them at the end of the at the end of the audit. The one relating to the category of misrepresentation by the by the by the winning bidder, uh, there are those that we have because there are three transactions. The one has been confirmed that indeed it is irregular expenditure, because although there are various categories with regard to that. The main one having been identified as the misrepresentation, uh, the one that actually made it to be regular expenditure, is where the local content production, as um, as uh, instructed by National Treasury, that certain categories must then follow a particular threshold in terms of the local content. So we it was found that we did not comply with regards to that, and it was then um, uh, it has been. Um, uh, disclosed as irregular expenditure chairperson. So it is a process that uh, after it has been discovered that it is potential irregular expenditure, management must assess. After that, they do a determination and disclose and update the, the disclosure note chairperson. Thanks, chairperson. Honorable chairperson. Yes. I had also asked about... I request that you um, wrap up your section and then we go to Honorable Van Minen, and then we will come back so that area is also approached. Honorable Mente, um, I see your hand is up. Yes, Chair. I was also, before Honorable Mente, I've asked about the fruitless and wasteful expenditure in the prior, which amounts to 132 million. All matters have been assessed. AG is saying there has been no movement in recovering the money, the interest on overdue accounts, payment of lost income suffered by the landlord, overpayment on leases. There has not been a single movement in this regard. Can I get an understanding? Why is this the case? When are you going to recover money? that is regarded as fruitless and wasteful expenditure? And who are the officials involved in this case? That would be my last question, Chair. All right. Let's take Honorable Mente's question uh, simultaneously. Honorable Mente, you can come in. Chair, my network is very bad. I don't know if you can hear me. Please uh, ask the question of Rosinic on the group. Honorable Hatebul assist. I'm trying to find I'm trying to find the question, Chair. Honorable, I don't see it. No, I got it. I got it. Uh, okay. Honorable Menti is asking that in reference to the previous question, 
Uh, can it be explained what was meant by saying that it is the AG that will explain the irregular expenditure? I think there was a reference to, to, to that. So that's what she's asking. Okay, let's get responses to that. And then Honorable Fanminen, you will you will come in after that. Thank you, Chair. Can I also be excused? I'm joining another meeting that is taking place physically. If the chair permits. Okay, noted. Um, all right, no, that's fine. Yes, after the response, yes, I will have to. Thank you so much, Chairperson. Sure. And thank you very much, uh, Chairperson and Honorable Member. If I can start answering the, the, the question uh, with respect to the 132 million, I want to point out that these are the amounts that are under consideration between the AG and the department. So they very much, uh, uh, I wouldn't say in dispute, but under deliberation. The largest amount here is no, the so, overpayment. Sorry, sorry to, to, to interject your slide nine. It says all matters have been assessed. There are instances where other matters were not defined as fruitless and wasteful expenditure. We are concerned about matters that have been assessed and confirmed as fruitless and wasteful expenditure. How much of those that are part of the 132 million were confirmed as fruitless and wasteful expenditure? Who are the officials involved and what action has been taken? Leave the one that is uh, in dispute. We are not interested in that one. All right, uh, Chair, let, let me ask, let's say, Chair, I was going to deal with the 118 million, which is the, the material uh, component of the 132. And with respect to that one, uh, Chair, we're disputing with the AG and we're seeking to persuade them that this amount does not meet the definition of fruitless expenditure, given the fact that it's recoverable from the landlords. But I'd like Lissetia to point out those so far that have been identified then out of the 132 as confirmed fruitless. Lissetia, please come in. And indicate how much has been confirmed out of the 132. Thanks, um, Honorable um, Chairperson. Uh, what has been confirmed as um, fruitless expenditure? It's um, it's uh, one hundred ninety-four thousand um, um, Chairperson, and um, the the may I also explain others, uh, Honorable Chairperson? All right. The, the so, so you are saying out of the hundred and thirty-two million, it's only ninety-two thousand that has been confirmed. Hundred ninety-four thousand, um, honourable chairperson, that has been confirmed. And the rest you are disputing. The rest it's not necessarily of others we are disputing, and others we are saying they don't meet the definition of uh, of fruitless expenditure. Uh, in the books of the department. What is the breakdown? That, that's what we want, the breakdown, because we don't have, you're just saying some, all, all have been completed, some don't meet, some were disputing. We don't know what is some. Please quantify all these cases for us. Okay. So um, that we, we, we don't drag answers from you. All right. Um, Honorable, Chair, uh, Honorable Chairperson, the amount where we paid and it was suffered, where we said a loss of income suffered by the landlord, 
this amount is uh, it's recoverable from client department um, because we this is an instance where the lease had come to an end and client department continued to occupy that building. So we have claimed this amount from client department because it's not irregular expenditure in the in the books of the department. If it is regular expenditure, it should be regular expenditure in the books of client department because they continued to occupy the building despite the fact that we've actually told them to vacate the building. So the landlord had to cancel the new lease that he had signed with other tenants. There is an amount of interest that we paid for an amount of 6.7. That is for basal rate that is currently under business rescue. The reason why we are saying this is not, uh, it is interest that we paid on overdue account. The reason why we say this is not a fruitless expenditure at the moment is that it went to court. There is an interim court order. And part of the interim court order was that the, we must pay what it was indicated in the court order, including the interest. However, the court went further and then said the business rescue practitioner of the service provider must then issue the department with a bank guarantee equivalent to the amount that we have paid because it has not yet been concluded. The merits and the demerits of the matter was actually not looked at. So it was just an interim order, uh, honorable chairperson, that is uh, 6.7 million. And then there was also an amount of um, 1.8 million that was paid as to Somana construction as part of a settlement on the arbitration. So the, the, the number of contracts were eventually terminated with this service provider and uh, the matter went to eventually went to, to arbitration uh, because they were department was also claiming from the service provider, the service provider also claiming from the department. It went to an arbitration and then the arbitration as part of the settlement, there was an agreement a settlement agreement between the department and the and the brokered by the arbitration and that there was an amount of 1.89 that was paid and eventually that was regarded as potential fruitless expenditure however when we looked at the definition of fruitless expenditure we then said it does not meet the definition of fruitless expenditure and then there is an amount of uh, 118 million rand chairperson that relates to leases on overpayments. What happened was in the previous years, this, this, these are not the payments. This is the, the one on 118 million share percent. It's not a payment in the current year. These are the leases, the pay over payments that were made to the landlords that we are in the process of recovering them. So because we've removed them, it's just an accounting principle. We've removed them from, from expenditure and put them in the balance sheet as a receivables. We are following the debt recovery. So as part of the accounting policy on receivable, we need to assess the debts every year. So part of the policy, when we assess them, we found them some of these transactions actually need to be impaired, not necessarily written off, but they just need to be impaired. So we have not written them off. We have just impaired them uh, because that's what the standard requires us of to do. So it is an amount of 180 million rand, uh, honorable chairperson, that has been impaired, but the amount is still being recovered from uh, from, from from the landlords. Thanks, honorable chairperson. I'm not sure if there's one. Okay, there was one way we're saying 
the concern that was raised by KG. Follow up, Chair, but um, uh, you can take over. Uh, the the responses are not satisfactory, Chair. But uh, for the sake of time, let me allow um, Honorable Van Minen to take over, Chair. Let them conclude on what they are saying. But <clears throat> all I just want to point out is that this is a whole lot of word salad around semantics. And I really don't think that the nub of the matter is receiving attention. An interim court order, for example, until that matter is final, then the AG can't be towing and throwing between your definitions and your court actions on matters that are not final. It just it it, it just makes no sense. Because the matters must be brought to a logical conclusion so then that a definition can be applied correctly. You are now wanting changes made on something whose outcome you don't know. And what if it comes back and then it requires you to... We, we can't have negotiated ordered outcomes. And I think you are placing the AG in a very difficult position if you are now wanting a sense of understanding on things which ultimately are your problems. So now you you are like, I mean, I'm just making one example. So there's an interim court order. Now the AG must make an interim finding. (laughs) No, 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 no. It can't, can't, can't be right. Can't be right. 118 million chairs has not been recovered. Changing yeah. terminology, money impaired. Impairments and so on. Impairments. It's, it's money that has not been recovered. It ought to have been recovered from the prior year. It has not been recovered. No, no, it's a debate about semantics. And I'm tending to lean towards the AG on this one. Um, and I tend to agree with the minister. Here, there's denialism and resistance, period. Okay, let's conclude your section. And also, um, okay, the minister wants to make an input. And then, Honorable Van Minen, we apologize for keeping you waiting so long. Right, uh, minister, over to you. And then, Honorable yes, Van Minen, as soon you. as the minister's done, you come in, ma'am. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson and members. Uh, maybe if I can assist with just giving you an update of the monitoring report done by myself and the Deputy Minister. Um, as at the end of January 2022, um, we, we have pushed the regions, and some of them are at least at 70% uh, in, in, in cleaning their data and updating their leases. Two regions, Cape Town and KZN, have done updated all their, their, their leases. We have reduced the, the month-to-month leases from uh, 538 uh, to 350. But the progress is still very undesirably uh, slow. Um, and we are still waiting on the internal audit to, to review the work uh, that was done in terms of the order, the roadmap that we shared with the AG. 
When we check on the updating of the RTBUS system for the past four months, uh, there's been a very slow process and a slow uptake. And it's safe to suggest that there's no appetite, you know, to uh, uh, and, and, and all the attempts that we are making, you know, people are trying to render them, them futile. Um, one thing that has also not taken place, we had requested that every single official in the regions and at NHO must be retrained on Archibus, on the data capturing, and the training has also not take place. So um, the main challenge for us now is to recover the overpayment. And the officials are supposed to write to the clients and the landlords and demand that the rentals, the overpayments must be repaid within seven days. And that's also very, very slow. So um, we, we do have a weekly meeting um, with the acting DG and the CFO. We have a meeting, um, a, a weekly meeting with um, the real estate management. Uh, I, I don't think the name is suitable, but in any case, that is what they, they are called now. But uh, we will update SCOPA from time to time from an executive authority side, what we are trying to do to, to, to deal with the irregular and, and, and wasteful expenditure. I have said to the department, when you come to SCOPA, SCOPA is going to ask you for names and titles of officials. Please prepare. I remember the last incident in SCOPA, I will never forget it, where the chairperson, we gave the chairperson report when names were marked out and we got a lashing for it. So I also think that we need to try and improve our presentations to SCOPA and maybe share with you some work that we've done chronologically. Um, because the service provider that we have appointed called MOAR uh, Incorporation, they were, addressed, uh, they were appointed to address the data integrity and also to... Um, and, and, and also to look at the, the overpayments. And, and, and yesterday when I checked with the, the, the CFO, the company has done very well. They have gone through all the leases and they're almost 98% completed. Uh, there are a few leases outstanding uh, uh, in Limpopo. Um, I made an intervention directly there. Few leases outstanding in Umtata. The deer made an intervention there. So, so the company has really been assisted a lot. The, the chief financial officer has also been engaging with the landlords face-to-face -face on many of these uh, overpayments. And, and certainly we are continue to do that uh, with the, the head of PMTE, Mr. Alec, Alec Mwemi. Um, but when I see the AG next week, we have to have made far more improvement to convince the AG that our roadmap from a qualified audit to an unqualified audit is on track. And the deputy and the and, and, uh, deputy minister, myself, honorable members, we are monitoring that. I thank you.
Okay, thank you very much, Minister. All right, um, we will come back to those issues. Uh, colleagues, let's just stand by because Honorable Juan Menon is good to go and then we will um, take the questions from members in total. So Honorable Juan Menon, over to you. Thank you very much, Mr. Chair, and good morning to everybody, including Honorable Minister. Um, okay, so what always worries me about this department is when I listen at scope of meetings, it always seems like everyone in the department is pointing fingers at everybody else. So I really am concerned about the coherent management of this department. It, it really does appear to be a blame game. Now, I want to talk about the consequence management. And, you know, the wheels of justice grind very fine, but I'm very concerned that here they basically come off altogether. The Auditor General has reported that there was no sufficient audit evidence that investigations were conducted into all allegations of financial misconduct committed by officials as required by Treasury Regulation 4.1.1. Disciplinary hearings are not held for all confirmed cases of financial misconduct by officials as required by the Treasury Regulation 4.1.1. And there was no evidence that confirmed cases of improper conduct in supply chain management would constitute a crime were reported to SAPs as required by Treasury Regulation 16A9.1B2. So what I want to know is in terms of consequence management, and, and we've heard all kinds of issues about the system this morning, is there a coherent oversight of the entire system within the department? Who is in charge of that and who is responsible? Do they actually monitor the entire process from beginning to end. Did um, did PMTE refer any cases to the irrelevant authorities, such as SAPs and other law enforcement agencies? And in their submission to the committee on, in February 2022, there's no indication of which cases were submitted to SAPs or referred to SAPs. So we can please start with that point. Chairperson, the minister has a hand raised. No, no, that's an old hand. Don't worry, proceed, DG. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Chairperson. Chairperson, let me start with the CFO and then I will cover the remaining aspects of the investigations and referrals to SEPs and the SIU. If you could please come in, Manu. All right. Um, thanks, Acting DG. Um, the, we, we, we do acknowledge that uh, it's not in all instances that uh, instances of uh, irregular and uh, fruitless expenditure or non-compliance, let me put it that way, were, were, were uh, you know, referred to the appropriate authority. Uh, that is acknowledged, um, and uh, and um, the historical context, especially when it comes to irregular expenditure, honourable chairperson, it's the the historical context uh, because we have been dealing with them in uh, in phases. Um, we've done with phase one. If you look at the presentation that was submitted to 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 to, to the committee, where we have indicated the in terms of phase one, what we have already concluded after the appointment of the of the service providers 
and uh, the next stage is phase two, which will be which will start uh, in April. Um, the honourable chair, uh, honourable chairperson, asked that uh, uh, the instance cases that have been referred to to the relevant uh, investigative authority in the registers that we that we that we have. We currently have an amount of 552 million in the main relating to leases, uh, but not only leases, but in the main 552 million that are the subject of investigations. Those are with the SIU as we speak. They are currently being investigated by the, by the, by the SIU and uh, the investigation are at various stages. And uh, as and when we get the report from the SIU, we do implement whether it's through disciplinary actions, and some of them they have already been, uh, or they are being concluded by the SIU. Wherein the recovery, the SIU has signed the acknowledgement of debt with some of the landlords uh, when it comes to to overpayments. Uh, so there is that interaction with the SIU to confirm how much has been recovered, because what the SIU does is that um, they then recover that amount. Unfortunately. Of that Recording in progress. Begin on the first of uh, April uh, in the new financial year, Honorable Chairperson. Um, I'm not sure uh, if there is. So I think there was a question of um, you know instances that have been referred to SAPs. So it's a both combination of, but majority of okay, the ones that we have so far are those that have been referred to or are being investigated by the SIO. Uh, thanks, Honorable Chairperson. And we do have we do have a register of those on uh, the percent of the transactions that have been referred to to SIU. It amounts to 552 million. Thanks, Secretary. Yes, thank thank you very much, Secretary Chairperson. Those those are the referrals to to SAPs and the investigations that are conducted out of the uh, transactions identified as irregular. Uh, they are also separate referrals that uh, have taken place uh, to the SIU. Um, in terms of their own investigations, as well as those that have emanated from our own anti-corruption unit. And I'd just like to share some of those, uh, Chairperson, that in terms of uh, the SIU, we've had over the years five proclamations undertaken with the SIU. And the SIU at one stage also investigated all our leases. In fact, uh, from 2014 onwards, they investigated 2,000 uh, 162 of our leases. And uh, from a from a, a, a civil point of view, uh, Chairperson, that we've had with the SIU uh, more than 2 billion rand before the courts, in fact, at this point in time, that are subject to recovery. In fact, I, I see it's if the extra amount in total here is 1.4 billion. And also with respect to criminal uh, action and related referrals, Chair, that I've been given information to the effect that 18 matters were referred uh, to, to the NPA for, for prosecution. There were 17 matters also referred to SARS. 
six were referred for further investigation by the SEPs, and five are currently before the courts. And I'm aware of uh, at least two of those matters that have been concluded before the courts and resulted in a criminal conviction. Those are, are those for the SIU and the, and the SEPs. Our own anti-corruption unit, Chairperson, uh, that uh, uh, a number of uh, investigations were conducted in the current year. In fact, 475 over the last seven years were conducted by our internal units. Some of them uh, were referred by the uh, compliance unit. Others were reported as uh, allegations of, of fraud and corruption. And uh, 34 cases were referred to the SEPs for criminal investigation. And, and I can say, uh, Chairperson, that none of these have uh, resulted in a, in a conviction. Uh, in fact, uh, the uh, department has identified this as one of our key problems, that our referrals to the SEPs don't necessarily result in a conviction. Uh, in fact, we have very few of these cases that actually come before court, but in, in total, the 34 referrals have been made to the SEPs for criminal conviction arising from internal investigations into fraud and corruption. So just to add to uh, Mr. Tuna's comments, uh, these are the separate uh, referrals that have taken place to the SEPs. Thank you, Chairperson. Chair, if I may have a follow-up on that? Yeah, for a minute, I won't come in to save time, oh, so okay. just watch me to be up, sure. Um, look, one needs to bear in mind that the SIU is, is not SAPS. The SIU is a, is a civil um, investigatory uh, process, and one mustn't confuse the two. And I just want to know, I mean, there's an admission there um, from Mr. Tuna that not all irregular expenditure has, has been referred, and then he talks about historical context. I mean, what is that historical context? Why have matters not been referred? Um, and how many are still outstanding that need to be referred at this point? And I'm talking about SAPs as well as SIU, because remember that they're both two different things. The SIU is reclaiming money, where SAPs is criminal convictions. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. The historical context that I was referring to um, it was that um, in, in, in before 2013, 2014, the PMTE had qualification and a disclaimer, um, and uh, primarily, or one of the items was on irregular and fruitless expenditure. So at that time, the, we were then requested to go and revisit transaction for, from the AG, to go and revisit transaction from 2009-2010. So that was the time that the PMTE was then qualified on irregular and fruitless expenditure. So we had to go and revisit all the payments and all the tender and quotations that were processed from that period. And we did that until in 1314. Um, and uh, that's when we disclosed an amount of 34 billion rand. That was the last time that, um, because the issue was that we were qualified on the basis that um, the AG was not satisfied that the irregular expenditure was complete. So we projectized that and uh, revisit all those transactions and, disco and discover an amount of uh, 34 billion rand. And then from there, the next phase after that was then to go and start the process of investigation. That is where we are at the moment, where currently the balance is 1.9, uh, Honorable Chairperson, because we have been dealing with them over the years. 
Um, and, and we do acknowledge that there have been instances where um, uh, um, we, 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 some of the, the progress was, 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 was slow uh, for one reason or another, because the main determining factor was that we also did not have permanent capacity to deal with such transaction because we do not have such on the structure, especially to look at instances of irregular and fruitless expenditure from an investigative point of view. Because what we have done, we have then put the capacity to, or rather to build capacity to do prevention. While we are also doing prevention, there is also the, uh, the transaction that had been disclosed at the time was about 34 billion rand and it had to, it had to be investigated as well. So it was a dual process. So the, to deal with that backlog, we then had to get interim capacity, uh, you know, of staff and then assistance from service providers up until where we are at the moment, which is 1.9 billion rand. And ideally, we want to be at zero honorable chairperson. That is just a historical context in terms of where we are coming from, where this amount is actually coming from, because it's not an amount from, from one year. It is an amount that has been coming, that it's a multi-year amount, and it's not an excuse. We're not providing an excuse here. We're just saying, and it is it is also our responsibility to make sure that our books are clean. And um, so hence, we had to go back for us to clear that qualification, which we did in 1314, Honorable Chairperson. That is the historical context, Honorable Chairperson. Chair, can I ask, as we have with other uh, departments and entities, can we please request that we get regular updates in writing about the consequence management here? Because this really is something that is of great concern. I mean, the the PMT is, is the biggest landlord in the country, as it were, and we really do need to keep an eye on this. So, Chair, I can please ask that Scopa request such regular reports so that we can keep an eye on what's going on here. All right. I'm then going to move on because I realize we're under pressure time-wise to procurement and contract management. Now, the Auditor General has reported that some of the bid documents for procurement of commodities designed for local content and production did not stimulate, did not stipulate the minimum threshold for local procurement content as required. But some of the commodities designed for local content and production were procured from suppliers who did not submit a declaration on local product and content, also in accordance with National Treasury instructions. And that some of the commodities designed for local content and production were procured from suppliers who did not meet the prescribed minimum threshold for local content and production, also as required. So what I want to know is, we've discussed this before, contract management has always been a challenge. Over the years, the committee has made various recommendations that there must be a dedicated contract management unit that is fully capacitated. Does DPWI PMTE have a fully capacitated contract management unit? How long has it been in existence? What is its mandate? And can we hear a report from them? Do the officials responsible for preparing bid documents, are they provided with adequate training on procurement legislation and regulations on a regular basis? And this is also something we saw coming up with a bike bridge matter. So if we could please have an answer to those. Yes, uh, Chairperson, uh, through you, Chairperson, um, the uh, head of our SCM, Mr. Andre Isaacs, is with us, and he's been seized in particular in developing a contract management unit and will also answer the question on the um, local content issues. Uh, Henry?
good afternoon or good morning, sorry, uh, Chairperson and uh, Minister and Members. Um, sir, we, your network, we, we are um, Um, Mr. Yeah, Isaac, I really can't hear anything. Mr. Isaacs, we cannot hear you. Better now? Uh, you can try. Let's hear it. Um, Chairperson, uh, sorry for this uh, problem with audibility. Um, with regard to the contract management unit, um, the department did not have or does not have a dedicated contract management unit. However, we put in a process to establish one. So we've designed uh, the structure of the unit and we've created the policy for the implementation of the contract management system. Um, and we, in the process of resourcing somebody to uh, head the unit to also help with the finalization of the implementation. The intention is that the unit is in place from the 1st of April uh, and then uh, will be operational uh, with support that we're receiving from the uh, Infrastructure South Africa uh, in this regard. Uh, regarding the issue of the training of the uh, the members, the bed committee members, uh, training is provided on an annual basis uh, to members of the various committees. Um, we are looking at the quality of the training that's provided uh, with a view to, 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 to getting um, uh, assessment by Treasury uh, to make sure that the quality of training provided by the different service providers uh, meet the standard so that uh, it can be effective. But training is provided on an ongoing basis to all the bird committee members throughout the organization. Um, then in relation to the issues of the uh, local content, the, the issue of the local content, uh, in some cases, it's, uh, the issues that were detected by the Auditor General were found to be um, uh, misunderstanding by the committee members with regard to the requirements for specific commodities. Uh, those issues were addressed. Um, and also the, 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 the uh, training was provided by DTI uh, to uh, all the regions uh, and head office officials that deal with this particular issue uh, so that there's not uh, uh, inconsistency, inconsistency in application and also misunderstanding of the actual requirements uh, for the uh, local content. Uh, in some of the issues where, for example, declarations were not made, the, the particular form where the declaration was made uh, was not completed, but the bidders did indicate elsewhere on their presentations uh, the extent to which uh, the uh, commodities were uh, confined to the local requirements. Um, so, 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 so uh, Mr. Isaacs. Mr. I don't know. Eh? Uh, we are specific 
Mr. Isaac, I don't think any of us heard the last part. Can you try and um, sort out your connection and then you can come back with that response because we just didn't hear it. I think you, you're buffering quite terribly. So please proceed and then we'll, let's just park that whilst Mr. Isaac tries to sort himself out. Okay, while we're on that, um, I just want to know how we're going to get an update on the um, contract management unit. That is something we mustn't lose sight of going forward. It comes out of the scope of uh, recommendations, and I really want us to be updated on that going forward as well. That's extremely important. Then um, material irregularities. The DPWI portfolio commenced um, in with the Public Audit Act of 1920. To date, there have been seven material irregularities that have been issued, resulting in a cumulative loss of 43.3 million. Um, some of these issues have already been discussed during scope of hearings. So what I would like at this point, if possible, please, is an update on the issue of the state funerals. And then once we've had that, I'm going to get onto the issue of the bike bridge fence. Chairperson, thank you very much. Uh, Chair, I believe that with both Bait Bridge and the state funerals, I'd like Mr. Mahoba to give an update on the status of the disciplinary processes, and uh, as well as with Bait Bridge in particular, the status with respect to the civil recovery, as well as the restriction of the companies from doing business with government. Chris, please do those. Thank you, DG. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Minister. Uh, with regard to the disciplinary inquiries that we are managing, the, I will start with the Bay Bridge Border Post project. The disciplinary hearing for the for the Bay Bridge Border Post project investigation report uh, was set down from the 14th of February until the 25th of February, so as to finalize the matter. Uh, the hearings were set. They are currently continuing with the state leading its last witness today in closing its case. And uh, the employer parties are going to, the employee parties will be opening their case possibly tomorrow after cross-examining the last witness. So the hearings, we intend to conclude them by Friday unless otherwise the employee cases may proceed beyond this week, Friday. That is on the Bay Bridge Border Post project investigation and inquiry. On the, the funerals report, and Chairperson, the, the charges have been finalized against the two senior managers. However, given the fact that there was another investigation report uh, which was provided to us by AGSA, having similar findings against the same officials and the companies, the, it was decided that we include uh, those charges into the to be managed by the same legal team who are dealing with the funerals. 
Now, the charges have been finalized uh, the, for the funerals. Now, the second charges, which are for site production, the state events, are being finalized by council. We just discussed uh, last week with State Attorney that the senior council whom we have managing this appears to be busy. Uh, we are considering to debrief him this week and we get another one. We've noted that he, he is, uh, we have submitted all the documentation. He's taking time to finalize the last part of the charges. Mm. Yeah, he's taking too long. So we are talking with State Attorney that if we debrief and then we retain the junior, then we should be able to study the hearings in March. That's on the, the funerals. The PSC uh, disciplinary hearings, like we reported initially, they are proceeding very well. They were categorized into two groups. Uh, the first group, the hearings were scheduled this week. Unfortunately, we have got a number of dependencies, which the critical was the critical witness from PSC with the investigator. Unfortunately, they were not available uh, for the greater part of this week, and the hearings were postponed for March 21 to 22. Now, the investigators of PSC in this case are the critical witnesses. For the second part, like we've said, we have the chairperson has ruled by separating the cases, and the state attorney is appointing another chairperson. Those hearings are now ready for. The, my team is now negotiating with the initiator and the other side to get suitable days for their hearings. We anticipate that between March and April, they should be all set down for full hearings because most of the issues were addressed uh, to accommodate those employees who were not available at the time and also the representatives of the unions. So now they are negotiating suitable days for hearings. Most of the issues were, were ironed out and the rules by the chairperson. So that's the, the, the report on the three uh, uh, the on the three disciplinary inquiries. Thank you very much, DG. Can we please just go back to the by bridge matter? Um, because I mean there has been very slow progress. So I'm glad to hear they're going ahead. But what is happening to the disciplinary processes of the two officials is not being dealt with by the department. I know there was quite a lot said about that in the last meeting we had with this department. Oh yes. yes. Uh, yes. Thank you. Chris, that's not for the department. Uh, I believe that would be for the minister. The uh, two additional officials would be the minister's advisor and the, uh, the suspended DG for the minister's uh, uh, response. Yes, thank you. But maybe I thought maybe it was relating to those senior management members who have issued a court application uh, to review the report. Uh, remember here, the, the chairperson of the hearings agreed with the employee party when they were making application for indefinite postponement of the hearing. Uh, we have since uh, decided to review the decision of the chairperson in the labor court. The application has been served on the employee party after issuing by the court, then it was uh, filed. 
Now we are waiting for the MPA party to indicate whether they are opposing or not. But so far, since it was said, I think on the 2nd or 4th February, there's never been uh, any notice of intention to oppose. Now we needed to review the decision of the chairperson by indicating that the pending application in the High Court was sufficient enough to grant the employees an opportunity to finalize that matter there to proceed with the hearing. So we have said that the application has been filed. We're waiting for the employee party to then respond. Thank you, Chair. Chair, okay. uh, yeah, I just want to just deal with one or two other issues and the minister can deal with those last two. Um, we've received a communication from the Engineering Council of South Africa regarding the Bay Bridge matter. Uh, Chair, you recall that we made a referral to EXA to investigate the professional misconduct on the part of the directors of the two companies implicated in the Bay Bridge report, and they've concluded their investigation. They've requested a meeting with the department, uh, which we hope to uh, to have in the next few days. So that has been concluded. I also want to mention that due to our frustration with uh, some of the, uh, the long drawn out disciplinary processes, we engaged the office of the state attorney and we invited them to join us in our next meeting before the committee when we present uh, progress on the paid breach investigation as we normally do once every quarter. Uh, and the state attorney has agreed to accompany us to explain uh, the causes of some of the delays in uh, all of the uh, processes uh, with respect to their support to the DPWI. So we hope for them to accompany us the next time we appear before the committee, Chairperson. Chair, I'd just like to end to the Minister if she has anything to add on Bait Bridge in particular. Thank, thank you, Acting DG. May I proceed, uh, Chairperson? Please do, Minister. Yes, uh, just on the Section 12 and 12A disciplinary hearings. Regarding uh, the the DG Advocate Sam Bukela, uh, that is now being handled by the Presidency. I can confirm that last year the Presidency also added the charges of Bay Breach to his existing charge sheet. And I know Scopa has called uh, the presidency uh, not too long ago to address that issue. Concerning uh, the advisor to the minister, uh, when the other 10 or 11 applicants went to the court for a review uh, of the whole report, I was advised uh, that we need to wait for the outcome of the review report. Uh, I then seek uh, outside legal advice, and this outside legal advice we I got was I can proceed uh, even though there is a review application. And then in December of 2021, uh, the charges have been finalized uh, by the state attorney uh, and the initiator and the chairperson that the state attorney has appointed. Uh, they are now just working on the dates uh, to start the actual hearings of the disciplinary procedures. So there is a progress on, on the other two officials. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Chair. 
Um, I know that we are limited for time, so I will leave it there and hand back to you, Chair. Thank you. Right. Um, thank you very much, Omro van Minen. As long as you've exhausted everything, we still have about 30 minutes. All right, colleagues, I will hand over to you if there are any matters that you would like to raise. Um, and then we will call it a day. I just must express my um, anxiety. These virtual meetings are not helpful. Uh, yeah, they, they, they're not... They're not. All right, Mazamban, can I hand over to you? Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and uh, good morning to everyone. Uh, Mr. Chairman, when we were briefed by the Auditor General, um, we confirmed that the Auditor General had indeed, uh, timelessly or some time ago, um, alerted the um, department and its officials to their concern about the lack of proper um, work being done to ensure the the um, that the properties were were safely um, looked after and and if you look at page fourteen of the um, Audit General's report, there's a comment there about um, only 16% of the budget being spent on maintenance. And we've been hearing this morning about how big this port property portfolio of the department or the entity handling it is. Um, and so the point that the Audit General is making about the limited amount of money spent on on maintenance, I think is pretty pertinent. So, Mr. Chairman, what that leads me to is the point regarding the recent um, disaster. If one wants a state of disaster in the country, then perhaps it should be the fire in Parliament. And um, and so. I'm sure that there's a lot of background work being done to try and establish the reasons for that fire. But my question then is to Minister Diddle, if it then transpires that the department or the entity um, failed in their duty to protect that um, property, the Parliament of South Africa, can Will you then resign from as the Minister of Public Enterprises? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. All right. Um, I was sorry to have interrupted you, the uh, Honourable List. Can we please mute our devices if we are not speaking? Humbly so. The feedback is absolutely just terrible and it's intrusive when someone else is on the platform. All right, uh, Minister, and then Honourable Somio, you will be next. Uh, Minister, please unmute. Uh, sorry, sorry, I'm talking to myself. Uh, Honourable Chair, I say uh, the department must respond to the unspent main maintenance. My recent engagement with the Department on Maintenance 
uh, and facility management was a projection of, of over 224 million overspent. And I have instructed that that should not be the case. Overspent is also irregular. So I think they they the best place to to answer that on on maintenance and facility management. Um, just on the fire, the the report of the fire, um, we all know uh, that the investigation is ongoing. Uh, the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure got an internal team to do the initial visual visual assessments, and that was confirmed uh, that um, there were some structural damages. Uh, we subsequently, on the 11th of February, appointed uh, a specialist independent team. Uh, they're currently on site. Um, I'm expecting a report from them soon, whereby they will uh, lay out their program of action by when their assessment, including the testing of material, will be done. Uh, they will give us a report on the actual extent of the damage, uh, the course of the damage, uh, the cost of the damage and how long it will take to prepare. So, so that is a, a work in progress. So I think it's, it's absolutely out of order for the honorable member to ask a question of ifs and buts. I would ask all members, including all South Africans, let me be patiently waiting for the final report. Uh, what we can see so far is allegations that are being tested in an open court of law and the charges being arson. So uh, also the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure were instructed by the walks that we hand over all our evidence, uh, which include footage that we've taken with drones after the fire, which include uh, the video footage of over three hours. And, and, and all of that information is now subject of a, of a court case, and therefore we are not allowed uh, to comment on that. So I think the, the, the question is superfluous. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Honorable Somia. Mr. Chairman, uh, before Honorable okay. Somia comes in, if I may say, um, I, I, it is, it is quite, quite arrogant for Minister Diddle to refer to questions as being superfluous. It's a very simple question. It simply was that if at the end of all these investigations, there is a direct causal link between a failure of her department and the fire in parliament, would she resign? She's clearly not wanting to answer that question. And, and so the answer presumably is she won't resign. But anyway, Mr. Chairman, um, the kind of um, innuendos uh, are completely uncalled for. Yeah, um, I think, uh, Mr. Let's 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 respond to the questions, and if there's a fundamental disagreement with the question, then let's rather place that, and not tag um, questions with labels. Um, I, I, yeah, I think that uh, it, it's it's a question anchored in consequence management and accountability, and if the ministers, yeah, so I think. Um, Honourable Lisa, right, I'll sustain that um, and ask that. Let's rather just respond to the questions as opposed to tagging them or labelling them. All right, Honourable Somia. Well, thank you very much, uh, Honourable Chair, the Minister, the Deputy Minister, um, and, and their team. Um, this, this morning we've, we've had 
uh, and we believe that uh, the public works uh, has, has become a repository uh, of a huge, uh, uh, you see, a, a referenced uh, portfolio um, in terms of property. Uh, huge as it is, it 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 comes with a with a risk, and and in terms of the existence of that risk, um, is is the department and uh, its own entity um, uh, able to provide us some information, and on on how secure uh, the standard uh, of such property, and uh, secondly. Um, that uh, secure reference is it covered uh, within uh, the insurance which would uh, guarantee uh, that in whatever form uh, such a property portfolio is well protected against any disastrous uh, effect. The second uh, question relates to what has been uh, referenced in as far as the contract management problems uh, which have befallen the, the department. One of those, which I'm going to limit myself on, on one area, um, has made reference to the failure of the department uh, to honor uh, a very critical prescript, uh, which would uh, take the country forward in terms uh, of ensuring that we adhere uh, to procuring uh, mostly uh, local South African uh, products uh, in terms of attending to uh, our various pieces of programs and projects. And and, uh, that failure therefore would uh, impact on the ability of the country to get closer into realizing um, full-flown uh, industrial activity, uh, whether you're talking in terms of supplies which relate to the built environment and uh, any other related uh, aspect there. So that failure is very, very serious. Uh, uh, ju- just uh, relying on the earlier question or proposal, is it possible that the department could provide us uh, with the information in as to how have they met or failed to ma- to meet uh, such a required standard, and and uh, which which of those areas that have been um, identified mainly because at times uh, management uh, would uh, resort to asking treasury to waive certain aspects uh, which are very critical for the a a, a project uh, related. Uh, instances, and and that that impacts uh, heavily on the negativity of meeting one of the critical requirements for the growth of the country uh, in terms of its own uh, economy. Following what the president has uh, outlined uh, in terms of revitalization uh, of the economy and the contribution of government towards such, and relying to what the minister is referred to uh, in terms of the percentage spend um, in as far as as such a portfolio is concerned, more than 70% of such expenditure. Thank you very much, Chair.
All right, thank you much, Honorable Sir. Let's get responses to that. Yes, Chairperson. Uh, Chairperson. Oh, uh, okay. Thank you, Minister. It's fine. Yes, yes, Chairperson. I just wanted to make one general comment um, in in connection with the security of um, critical infrastructure, national key points. Um, it will be helpful going into the future that we operationalize the Critical Infrastructure Act that was signed off by the president in 2019. Because in there, there are structures proposed that need to be put together. But also in the act, it also is prescribed that uh, we, uh, we have to report to a parliament every six months. So I think the infrastructure critical act, I mean, a critical infrastructure act will go a long way in, in, in dealing with security of, of um, national key points and critical infrastructure. Over to Acting DG. Thank you. Yes, uh, thank you very much, uh, Minister. Uh, Chairperson, the other questions from uh, Honorable Somio. He raised the issue of the insurance of the state-owned buildings, and uh, we've we've been uh, confronted with this question in the in the recent past, and we directed in this regard by the National Treasury Regulation on uh, on what they call self-insurance. The state will pay its own losses in the event of a disaster. So we are largely uh, directed by the National Treasury Regulation. In fact, that Treasury regulation does allow uh, uh, insurance, but only on movable assets. And it's limited, I believe, to 5 million per annum per vote. So it's very limited, but that only applies to movable assets. With the immovable assets that we have in the size of our portfolio, the National Treasury regulations direct that we must confine ourselves to self-insurance. So when we have uh, particular challenges as we've had with Parliament, I, I can say uh, without uh, any risk of compromising uh, any confidentiality that we have been in conversation with National Treasury as well as Parliament regarding any budgetary needs we may have in the short term uh, as well as medium term. But as the ministers explained, the exercise to quantify the damages and to look at possible options on how we respond to those damages is still under consideration. But the conversation has commenced with the National Treasury and we pursue the so-called policy of self-insurance by absorbing our own losses. With respect to contract management and the procurement of local, I believe Mr. Mr. Isaacs has, has covered that, but he would also add to it, I believe he's back online. And with respect to revitalization of the economy, I'd like my other colleagues to also comment, especially Mr. Kubeka, who's online, uh, is responsible for the facilities management program, as well as some of our strategic projects, as well as Ms. Neleti Makubele, who's responsible for our leasing program. That with respect to some of our projects, uh, Chairperson, that our EPWP, we have a new policy that is uh, in the pipeline that is going to be released for consultation and where the minister has made a number of interventions to effect a new program in EPWP that utilizes the incentive grants differently and also seeks to pay the minimum wage. So we're using, we're seeking to use EPWP in a more constructive and productive manner and to reform the EPWP program. 
With respect to CPM in particular, Chairperson, that we can't afford to underspend our budgets in CPM, that we have this perpetual underspending of our construction budgets with the consequence that we uh, have construction contractors in, 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 in abeyance and in uncertainty, and we create a situation where opportunity costs are huge, jobs that could and might have been created are lost, and the economic activity that emanates from this, that their spending is lost. And uh, our construction program is quite significant in, in terms of the overall economic activity. But I'd like to also give an opportunity for to our head of REMS. They have a uh, program underway called the Letting Out Strategy. And uh, she can come in and talk about it where we're seeking to, uh, to mobilize and harness our portfolio and release a property and uh, land to the public for use. Uh, to stimulate economic activity and to revitalize the economy and play our role. Then we also have a number of strategic projects, Mr. Kobeka will talk about, where we are seeking to engage the economy at different levels uh, based on those uh, 52 or 60, 60 projects that have been categorized as strategic integrated projects. You'll talk about to talk about how we play a role in economic revitalization. So, Mr. Kobeka, I can ask you followed by Neliti to please talk to these quickly. Please, please come in. Um, I'm not sure whether those are substantively, um, you know, necessary at this point. <laughs> the fundamental issue is, yeah, can yeah, can we just park that unless Honorable Sum you'd want that now and also noting the minister will be departing at 12. Um, but of course the meeting is already ending at 12. Um, because I just want to make sure that colleagues, are there any questions which are specifically for the minister at this point? Okay. Those measures are very substantive. Well, they've got something to do with the, with the life of our own communities. The president has outlined the future of this country in SONA, and uh, it, uh, without saying, it goes... Uh, together, what each department contributes uh, in terms of that direction. Uh, and uh, the audit report uh, begins to highlight some uh, areas of failure, uh, though it has some areas of success uh, in, in, that, in that regard. I think even as a committee, we must seek to emphasize those uh, matters, that the wastage which is realized at the state's coffer uh, 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 handling, which uh, ought to be a contributory factor uh, in as far as the enhancement and the drive of facilitation of the economy uh, of the country, as it is the role of the state. And, and therefore, this department is one of the departments that hold huge amounts uh, in that regard. Uh, the safety uh, of their uh, infrastructure, uh, the level uh, of holding uh, that kind of... Uh, a required uh, a brief uh, in as far as the audited standing of their portfolio uh, in, in, term, in terms of uh, uh, property. It's, it's a necessity because a loss to such gets back uh, into the state and it's into what we ought to have contributed uh, in terms of the development of the country. So, so those questions are very substantive uh, which okay. uh, ought to be looked into. Yeah. They will respond to. They will. They will respond to. 
to, to, to that. Can I just ask that they hold a second if there's any matter for the minister? Um, and then we will then go to those responses. Going once, going twice, going thrice. Okay, Minister, I just have one or two questions before you leave. As I think one of the matters has been raised to, and Bob, so thank you for that. Those responses will come as soon as the minister's done. Um, insofar as the parliamentary fire is concerned, because I think it exposes uh, the all of us uh, to probably in a more involved manner uh, the operations of the department and the management of property thereof. But I think the 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 point of departure is what aspect or what does the the department and the ministry take responsibility for in this regard? Um, because I I, I I I get a sense of absolving yourselves largely. Um, and I get that, of course, there's a, a case in 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 in, in court. There's a, there's an accused is appearing, and there's all sorts of things. Issues have been taken to the Hawks documentation, but the substantive on the key critical area of accountability. Um, what is the department itself taking responsibility for? Um, I would imagine that, that that that's an that's an integral part of this. And what lessons come out of this, um, you know, for the department and the ministry on 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 this matter, particularly on the management of your so-called um, uh, national key points. Um, I mean, and 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 the intergovernmental relations interdepartmental interactions which must take place insofar as the um, overall security of these facilities are concerned, the department, SEPs, and so on, amongst others. But I, I, I'm certainly not convinced that um, seated here, the department gets out of this scot-free. There has to be, at some point, which I think is materially at the outset, an acknowledgement of your own shortcomings in order for the necessary corrective action to be instituted as a means of ensuring that this doesn't happen again. My late mother who was a nurse used to say prevention is better than cure. Yeah. And so there have to be lessons on preventative action steps which must be taken as part of the holistic review of infrastructure yeah. security. So I'm just substantively putting that to you, Minister, to say what responsibility is taken. And the second point um, it goes to this. You've got um, the Tswane Metro currently cutting off electricity and other services uh, to, to, to facilities. I'm substantively, I'm substantively wanting to know, Mr. what action steps is the department in itself taking on rogue government departments who are not servicing your debt, those that owe you. Um, because I think it's important that um, you, you that is actually also dealt with uh, moving forward. And then the final point is, I would hope that at some point we can have a discussion, uh, Minister, about these empty government buildings which are all over the country, but yet the lease bill 
is shooting through the roof. So it's just those three things. And then, and DG, you can delegate for the responses as you had done on those um, areas that Tuba Wusom your M has uh, 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 so eruditely uh, unpacked for us. Minister, over to you. Uh, Minister, please unmute. I, I always, I always do this. Chairperson, um, thank you, thank you for your question. I think what I want to make clear up front, Chairperson, is that we are in no way dodging responsibility or accountability. The only thing is that accountability and responsibility must be determined when by an investigation. And that is what is ongoing. If the outcome of, of, of that investigation points fingers towards the Department of Public Works uh, and Infrastructure or towards Parliament or to the police or to the Defence Force, whoever uh, was, uh, was mentioned or is mentioned in the investigation, then certainly uh, compartmentally we have to take responsibility and accountability for that. The only point that I was making earlier on with Honourable Lees is that we are waiting for that completion of that investigation. The reason, Honourable Chairperson, why we've appointed an outside independent service provider uh, that's currently on site here at Parliament is exactly because we didn't want to be seen to that we are investigating ourselves. So this is how far we have gone to make sure that the final report is objective, that it gives us the facts, and then once the final report is coming out and there is responsibility or accountability for public works, we will certainly entertain it at that time and we will then pronounce accordingly. So I don't want to create the impression that, you know, we, we are running away in, in, in any way, a chairperson. There are a lot of blame game out there. Uh, people are entitled to their own views, but, you know, we, we do want to get the facts, the objective facts, and then the, the report must be processed by Parliament. Uh, and Parliament will certainly hold um, any one of the executive accountable. And, 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 and we are for that process, and we will bring those reports to Parliament to hold the executive to, to account. Um, Chairperson, just a second one on, on Twane. Uh, yes, we have been working well with the organization. Um, our problem from DPWI is that um, we are owned, owed 9.2 billion rand uh, by at least 15 government departments. 98% of that total is to 15 government departments. And we are meeting uh, regularly with the uh, client departments uh, to resolve the disputed matters. We currently have 4.5 billion in dispute and, and, and together with the CFO and his team, we are working to resolve the dispute. In fact, some of the disputes we have taken to Forsat, that is a forum chaired by the DG and the presidency, and you've got all the DG departments there. 
um, our acting DG made a presentation to Fawcett about the debt owned uh, to public works at that forum too. Uh, with uh, the city of Tuane, um, where government buildings, uh, where government departments are leasing from the private sector, the landlords are responsible to pay um, the services. Uh, I And I'm going to deal with it now in the next meeting uh, where we are going to, the department has paid ESCOM so far 417 million rand since April 2001. Um, we have also made payments uh, to the city of Tuane, um, and the, the latest age analysis shows that a total amount of 82 million was reported outstanding with 77 million current and within 30 days of 53 million and within 30 days and 53 million more than 60 days. So the, 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 the department remains committed to pay where on our side there are verified invoices. And this is what we've been working with the city of Tswane on. But uh, I can say that we are not part of those private landlords uh, that have failed uh, to pay uh, Tswane on, on time. Um, the department has also paid uh, over and above um, the the service charges. We we have paid 1.5 billion and 2.3 billion in property rates uh, in uh, to directly to municipalities in the in the current financial year. So we do track the payments. We have started a system in the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure called Ria Batala, where we make sure that all invoices are paid within the 30-day time frame. The CFO meets on a weekly basis with all our regional offices to look at outstanding invoices. The CFO will then send a report to the Deputy Minister and myself and where we need his help. We, we also make, make interventions. So we've got a full-time team working on 30-day payments. And that is why we were able to engage with the city on Tuane on, on, on a few outstanding matters. But otherwise, we are making progress there. Um, the last question, Chairperson, on the empty buildings across the country, yes, that is true. Um, as you know, um, for the first time, we have not received an audit finding on the immovable asset register from, from the AG. Uh, with the help of National Treasury now, we are, in the, uh, we are going out for a request for information to digitize the immovable asset register and to also clean up the immovable asset register because currently the information it's not reliable to get a good baseline of where these properties are. But it is work in progress. And, and, and like I was saying, one of the strategies that we've come up with is to use those empty buildings to refurbish, repurpose, operate and transfer in partnership with the private sector. And once we've concluded the pilot and the proof of concept, 
in the first quarter of the year, we are already busy packaging uh, 200 of those empty, unused buildings that we can put out in, into the market in the second quarter of the next financial year. So that, those are just part of our plans, Chairperson, to deal with these empty buildings. We also spend a lot of money on employing security companies uh, to, to guard these empty buildings. Uh, and, and, and that is a, a huge cost to the department. And, 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 and we are confident with at least this one strategy that we're now doing, we will be able to deal with all of those empty buildings too. Um, I receive regular information from members of parliament uh, where they do constituency work about empty buildings, about problems of leases. And normally that is very helpful and guide us to where there are empty buildings that's dilapidated, that is a risk. That's a problem building. So it's all work in progress, Chairperson. I hope I have answered your, your questions sufficiently. I thank you. Well, thank you very much, uh, Minister. I think the one thing that we'll request is that list of those that owe you um, yes. and when the matter is actually to be concluded uh, in terms of those um, disputes and so far as um, the... the the outstanding the, the debt from uh yes from 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 your from the government departments i think we need to we can uh, provide provide if we can be provided with that list so we can also raise that matter with them uh, yes when they appear before us for one uh, thing or the other so i think that list will be um unnecessary thank you chairperson are there any other questions for the minister before we let her go? And then DG will hand over back to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Right, DG, I'm over to you. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson Chair. We will start with the Honourable Somio's questions. And then we would like to, I want to share with the Chairperson and members of the committee the principles, the 10 principles which we propose to the minister as part of our reform program. I'd like to ask CJ Abrams, is a head of EPWP, to speak about how we are using that program to intervene uh, with respect to the social net on the one hand and the job creation on the other. EPWP is somewhere in the middle and we've been looking at uh, reforming the uh, historical and traditional way we uh, respond to the unemployment problem with the new policy position, which CJ will deal with. Kosana will follow. Kobeka is uh, the head of our PMO chairperson. He will talk about the strategic integrated projects and those that the department is responsible for and how we are creating uh, some kind of economic activity in those areas. And then Ms. Neleti Makubele is responsible for our state-owned as well as leased in buildings. She'll talk about our letting out strategy and talk to the issue raised by the minister on how we are seeking to use those vacant buildings uh, and put them to economic use. So Chair, I'll just like the three of them to come in one after the other. Thank you very much. CJ, first to you. Uh, good, um, good afternoon. Um, good afternoon, Chair and members and Minister and DG and colleagues. Um, yes, the EPWP is currently um, looking at, at putting forth an EPWP policy 
Uh, we have been around since 2004, um, but EPWP every five years has gone through to cabinet uh, to get an endorsement for the next five years. And it was one of the resolutions of the EPWP that one could then go ahead and look at um, uh, putting forth a policy that would then set forth the direction. Uh, clearly, in terms of the policy, it would be to align it to the NDP, mainly um, in terms of the employment chapters and with regard to the social protection angle, and therefore aligning it in terms of uh, the national minimum wage too. A key part of the revision of the EPWP would be to look at the objective-driven uh, programs, uh, which is to be able to align uh, aspects from a socioeconomic perspective and therefore also then uh, pair it toward the provision of income um, to the poor and also uh, work opportunities. Um, we have started some of the work already specifically to look at um, how we would mine a lot of the um, EPWP historical um, information because we've got a very rich program in the sense that more than 350 public bodies participate in the EPWP. And we note that there are a number of programs, whether it be uh, at a schooling level, whether it be gender-based violence, et cetera, uh, those programs need to sometimes even be enhanced and even scaled up further. So those are some of the initiatives that we are currently with. And so the CS uh, process uh, is where the policy is at the moment. Um, and so it would then be taking the policy through with the aim of trying to finalize it this financial year. Thank you, ADG, and thank you, colleague. Kosana? Um, good. Uh, Honourable Chair, uh, Honourable Members, and uh, uh, the Executive of the Department. Uh, Chairperson, uh, the name is Nkosana Kupega. I'm the Acting DDG responsible for program management. Um, with regard to the issues raised uh, on the our contribution to the economic recovery, we currently are implementing a program of repairs and maintenance uh, as part of the small harbor development. Uh, this program is happening in the 13 proclaimed uh, fishing harbors in the Western Cape. Uh, we have, uh, the project is now 97% complete. We have uh, created uh, 894 job opportunities and uh, we have contributed to the local SMMEs to the value of 114 million within those uh, proclaimed uh, fishing harbors. That is the phase one of the program. The phase two of the program uh, is looking into the new fishing harbors in the Eastern Cape and KwaZulu Natal. And the two nodal areas that have been identified are going to form part of the eastern, the new uh, uh, eastern, eastern Cape uh, Developmental Seaport uh, City that the president has launched uh, recently. So we, we are working with uh, the contribution from the Chinese government to finalize the feasibility studies in these areas so that we can then be able then to define the actual areas where these uh, fishing harbors will have to be constructed. The second area, Chairperson and members, 
is what the president has announced at SONA, that we will be uh, escalating and enhancing the Rural Bridges Programme uh, in partnership with the, the National Defence Force. We are upscaling to 95 bridges per year uh, in the uh, six provinces that have already given us a site uh, where these uh, programs will have to be uh, 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 constructed. We, we're working with uh, um, a National Treasury GTEC on the implementation of a new program, which is the Integrated uh, Energy Efficiency Program. Uh, so, so, yeah, my, 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 my question uh, relates to uh, the Auto General's finding. You can have all those uh, kinds of things, uh, projects, program, ABCTE. Uh, the, the area of interest is that how do you sustain, maintain uh, your contribution through local content, something which is not observed maximally uh, by the department uh, on what you are involved in, in terms of the, your contract management. I think, I think that's what we need to uh, insist on. So that you, if, if you list those uh, areas, uh, you, you, you need to um, somewhat provide us with, with a detail around those matters. You, you might provide them today or give us a written response, which is going to give that detail in terms of time. Yeah, thank you, Chairperson. I think that's a fair request, Chairperson, and we will provide that response uh, in writing with respect to these projects that are being spoken of. Okay. Should I continue? Anything that needs to be submitted in writing, can it be submitted by next week, uh, Wednesday, close of business, please? Hello, the chair. Chair, Ms. Makubele, is she still required to come in to talk about our let-out strategy and the vacant buildings? Yeah, um, I think that will yeah. be very relevant with our empowerment strategy for localization as well. Yes, but Bob Somio has indicated the importance of you speaking. Yes, that's good. To Appreciate go. it, Chair. Ms. Makubele? Just one second, DJ. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Chairperson. Good afternoon, Honourable Members. Good afternoon, DG and colleagues. Uh, did you think um, part of the, the, the response strategy that we have, the Minister has already indicated the, the imbalance that we're having as a department where we are paying too much money in leasing in and we're not doing enough to, to let our properties out there for, for, for to increase our, our revenue. Uh, as a department. So what we have done, uh, we have developed a circular where we are going to let out um, our our properties, whether it's agricultural land or prime land or residential properties, where we are going to expect a proposal from business out there to come and give us um, proposals in terms of what they can do in those properties. And then we can re then um, draw revenue from them. But what is important there, part of the of, of our um, uh, evaluation strategy of those uh, of those um, proposals is that we need to look at what 
what are they going to do for those various com communities where these properties are in terms of youth empowerment, uh, women empowerment, and other uh, employment opportunities that may arise. And that is what we're going to use um, to, to, to evaluate them, or at least that will put them in a better state for us to consider their proposals. But um, we are going to start also in this, um, the, the advertisement is going to go um, before the beginning of the new financial year, so that in the new financial year, we start running the program, and then we'll see how it goes. We have identified almost 1,100 odd properties that we're going to target for this. And, um, but for now, we have been given a clearance for about, um, for about uh, 400 properties that we can start with for us to, 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 to run the, the, the program chairperson. So I think that that's where we are with the, list, with the letting out strategy. And um, we will we'll leave it at there for now and we'll give progress report as, as, as and when we receive the, the, the proposals from, from business. Thank you, chairperson. Thank you, TJ. Okay. Are there any other issues, uh, colleagues? Chairperson? Yes. Um, after the members have asked their questions, I would like an opportunity to share with the committee and yourself the 10 principles which we've introduced uh, into the department to respond to some of the the challenges we've presented today, but that will come at the tail end. I'm just requesting a few minutes for that. Thanks, Chair. Now, can you do that now? Because as indicated, the meeting is drawing to an end at 12.30. So can we get that? Yes. Uh, yes, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Chair, I wanted to, to share with uh, uh, yourself and the, and the committee the uh, proposal that we shared with the Minister uh, called the 10, 10 Principles to respond to some of the chronic uh, um, underperformance in the department, the lack of internal controls, the lack of systems. And in fact, they, they respond to the foundational issues in the department to create that platform, to create a capable uh, DPW uh, in contributing to a capable state. So they're very basic in whatever one's ideology may be about business management, that one considered that these 10 interventions should focus our attention uh, in the department and converge our initiatives to begin to respond to audit findings and underperformance issues. I just want to make mention of them. It's, it's almost a list. Let's the go one, right into them. Yes. The first one is a change management program, and it's a recognition that we have organizational culture challenges, and the deputy minister was appointed to lead the change management program. It's there to, to deal with the organizational culture issues through and to develop a greater level of responsiveness to uh, service delivery issues. We also introduced a service delivery improvement program. The third issue, Chairperson, is very important. It's called the Business Process Management Program. We're seeking to introduce the Infrastructure Delivery Management System, which is essentially uh, a methodology to deliver infrastructure and incorporates all the standard operating procedures end-to-end -to, -end to prescribe how things should be done in the department to deliver infrastructure through leasing, through construction, or whatever the case may be. Number four was the ERP Fast Track Program. It was an acknowledgement that this program to automate manual systems was lagging behind, and we introduced the ERP Fast Track system led by our DDG Corporate Services. Then we also have the macro delivery model. 
that we need to look at our 11 regions and bring them closer to head office. And in fact, even close some regions because of duplication to create a more lean and robust organization and also respond to policy issues about the PNTE and what kind of organizational form is a PNTE going to assume in future. So we have that clarity with respect to our delivery model and we create the lean organization. Number six chair was the ethics. We're establishing an ethics or we've established an ethics unit a compliance unit and consequence management unit to respond to some of our ethical foundational issues and consequence management in the department. Seven is contract management and monitoring. And it was raised in the meeting today, Chairperson, that our contract management and monitoring is weak. That leads to under-delivery uh, project budgets being exceeded and the contract outcomes and contract outcome failures. So this is led by our DDG SCM, and he spoke about it earlier. We're also introducing an organizational-wide skills assessment, and we've recently finished the skills assessment at the SMS level to determine what do we have. We have 6,000 employees, but what is the skills mix to respond to our mandate? Where are the challenges? Where are the difficulties? And the skills assessment's been done for SMS, and it's being extended to the rest of the organization. Ninth chair is the training. We've engaged with the uh, National School of Government to train in risk management, to train in planning, and to train in the management skills and performance management so that we deal with all those soft skills in the department throughout management and lower as well. And finally, our CFO is leading our clean audit program. And the minister made mention earlier of the, uh, the, uh, the journey and the migration program with respect to a clean audit. We've uh, reached a particular stage where we are dealing with uh, the leases as our high-risk area, and the clean audit program is the final and the tenth area that we're focusing our attention on. So, Chair, I thought I'd just share that with you, that we have a structured program to deal with uh, the governance and the administration and some of the foundational issues that is uh, responsible for some of the challenges that we've presented and shared with the committee today. Chair, thank you very much. Right, and thank you very much, um, DG. Um, for that, um, I just want to, colleagues, are you all fine? Oh, good. Yeah, well. Okay. Um, all right, because I just want to um, thank, of course, the minister, uh, deputy minister. I'll give you an opportunity now if there are any matters, uh, concluding remarks that you may have on your side. I'm acting DG. Thank you very much. Um, and to our stakeholders as per usual who are all present. I just want to really uh, say that uh, we've heard the responses, but I remain fundamentally co concerned at the incoherence uh, which prevails at this point in terms of what we're hearing. Um, and I think, um, colleagues, we will probably need to uh, do, you know, more follow-up meetings with the department. I think a lot of our time, correctly so, um, was taken up by the Braid Bridge matter and the consequence management around the funerals and so on. And we may not have given, you know, adequate attention to the other day-to-day -day issues of the department, um, which require, um, you know, us to uh, deal with. So that's why I'm saying I'm fundamentally not convinced uh, of, of most of the things that one has heard today. But as I've said, the submissions next week, uh, Wednesday, 
Um, and I think, uh, DG, going back to the issue that Honorable Hadebe raised earlier on this morning around um, what came across as a point of divergence in terms of how you see the um, issue of the IT systems and so on. I don't think that uh, what what you said uh, was contrary to what the minister was saying. Um, Otherwise, if it was, then the system, which is almost 10 years old, should have been fully implemented by now. And I I think the fact that there's an an over-reliance on a paper-based system is fundamentally in itself a risk to document management in this day and era, but also at the same time, it creates a conducive and enabling environment for corruption to take place and for documents to go missing, and therefore there's no accountability, no consequence management in the absence of documents. So the only other way to explain it is that having procured a system and the system is not in use is that people don't want to use the system and I can then therefore categorize that as resistance. So there really has to be, um, I wouldn't want to quote a united front, but at the very least a singing of the same hymn sheet on the very core prevalent issues and challenges and root cause of the uh, dilemmas that the department finds itself in. Uh, and, and and I fully agree, there's just too much defending uh, and there's too much justification and Honorable Van Minen is right, finger pointing is the order of the day. And it's precisely why this department is like this and has been like this for the longest of time because of that particular mentality. It's the wrong one. It's unprofessional. And so I hope that uh, Acting DG, the 10-point plan um, that you've just presented now will yield results alongside the audit action plans and so on. And to finally say that um, audit outcomes are another negotiation um, where you want to set the terms and conditions yourself of one, how you want to be audited and two, what should be audited, and then make a determination of what that audit outcome should be. It's just, it doesn't work that way. It's compromising on the collective integrity of the work of the AG if you have that kind of mentality. So you must disabuse yourselves um, really of of, of that. Um, You know, if you want a clean audit, do the right things. You can't get it through the back door. It just, it just doesn't doesn't work that way. So, um, Honorable Deputy Minister, let me hand over to you for concluding remarks, and then we will um, end the meeting on that note. DM, over to you. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair. Good afternoon to you, uh, to the Honorable Members of the uh, SCOPA, as well as uh, the support team from Parliament, uh, together with the acting DG and his team um, of, of managers. Um, let me first take the, our, the opportunity to appreciate your leadership, um, Honorable Chairperson. I think uh, your, your very last uh, comments uh, talk to what they, they help us uh, for our officials to hear it from someone else who is not in the department, because sometimes when we raise these very same points, 
uh, you would be seen as uh, imposing or as uh, uh, being um, uh, difficult. But when they are raised from an objective point of view, from the a, a parliamentary committee that is not uh, inside the department, there's some level of objectivity uh, that gets appreciated. Uh, and, and I hope our team uh, is, is taking note, especially of the, the, your earlier comment on you first acknowledge that there's wrongdoing um, so, so as to be able to find the correct solutions and uh, implement them for a better way forward. Um, I, I really uh, want to take this opportunity to thank SCOPA uh, for, for this insistence on good governance and sending this message that um, actually audit outcomes are not, um, you, you don't manage audit outcomes. Audit outcomes are outcomes of what you do on a daily basis, just doing the things you ought to do in the right way on a daily basis will give you uh, the correct um, uh, or, or clean audit at the end. You don't do things in an incorrect way and think at the end you'll manage the, the, the audit uh, outcomes. It, it, it doesn't work that way. So that message for me is it's, it's a very profound coming uh, from yourselves as, as objective uh, um, um, people uh, charged with the responsibility to uh, ensure oversight of the department. Uh, I take note of the areas that uh, need, uh, that the committee needs uh, further, uh, the, the, the proposals on the local content, um, which we must uh, bring to the committee and various other areas where you still feel a need for for more information. We've taken note of those, and uh, we'll we'll show um, ensure that uh, the committee receives those uh, timelessly. Mine is to to thank uh, the work of the committee, and uh, commit that we we in whatever we do, there's no intended malice in the department. It is not nice for us to be told that uh, this has been happening for the last 10 years and that which has been happening for the last 10 years is 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 a no good and it continues to to happen uh, under our watch. We, 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 we're not proud of that and therefore we will do the best we can to ensure that uh, the necessary change in both attitude and approaches uh, to 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 services to the people of the of the of the, of South, of the country uh, that um, changes and and we'll do everything in our power to ensure that um, we do get the clean audit which is a sign of good governance that we really need at this stage thank you once more chair for your indulgence and uh, thank you to all the members of the committee for the positive contributions. And uh, thank you.
All right, um, thank you very much, um, DM. Um, colleagues, I think we I appreciate that feedback uh, and comments. Right, colleagues, I think we can um, bring that to an end. And um, so I think the work with Public Works is a work in progress. Um, and we will make determinations as a committee. And I want to thank Honorable Hatebe and Honorable Van Minen specifically for carrying this hearing um, this morning um, so so well for all of us and zooming into all the issues with the kind of diligence that they did. So thank you very much, colleagues. And on that note, the meeting stands adjourned. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you, DJ.